Welcome back, Red Spotters. Measuring in the Red Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host today, Alexis J. Soto, joined by Mr. Peter Martinez. We are back for actually what is going to be our very first news-heavy episode in just about over a month. Um, and so much has happened since then. Of course, we've been busy doing the, uh, as Peter Martinez coined himself, the Ghost Toper Bootacular, which is now in its entirety all up on our channel whether it be the commentaries and episodes for red spotlight or also the material that we've done for to the table all of which i think has been easily the best um october in terms of like concentrated theming uh in five years of doing a podcast together and so thank you to peter martinez for uh, arranging all of those things. Uh, he has been a very valuable asset um, in that regard. Uh, you know, it is, I think, the most amount of work he's put into this podcast since I originally supposedly gave him the name of social media correspondent back in the days of the Barely News Crew, the good old Barely News Crew. I don't want to dwell too much on that, but um, it was a bullshit title I gave him just to make him feel important. I should have realized uh, that shit doesn't work on Peter, um, and he didn't do any of the work there anyway, so um, there's that. A uh, little bit of a tangent, but... <laughs> so you admit it was bullshit. A lot of things that happened were bullshit. Whether they were by design or my own thing, I don't know. It just... If they weren't in the beginning, they definitely were at the end. I'll tell you that. Um, but anyway, we're here with episode 274. We're talking about the latest materials that have happened in the movie world, whether it be the business side or brand new, um, <laughs> any kind of projects that are happening. We're talking about two movie reviews. Get that, not one, but two movies that we're talking about for the first time. New movies in 2020 for the first time in months. Uh, we're talking, both of them, I know, wow. right? Both of them have, having featured Sasha Baron Cohen. We're talking about Borat 2 or Borat subsequent movie film or one of the titles that it is called. That's right, people. It's Sasha Barrett Cohen month. <laughs> and we're talking about The Trial of Chicago 7, which was written and directed by Aaron Sorkin of fame from The Social Network, Newsroom, Steve Jobs, a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, he, he's a good writer. I like him. I think Peter likes him, too. And we'll be talking about that movie, uh, as well as Borat. And also with updates on what is going on in the industry. A lot of panic, a lot of crying after the failure of Christopher Nolan and Tenet, and it was a failure, a big failure, I might add. Um, and so was Mulan, one of the biggest box office bombs of all time. So there is that notoriety to it. But since last we have updated you, whether it had been the last month, movie theaters have kind of basically called it a day, except for AMC. Regal announced that, hey, we're closing up, guys, because you know what? All the movies, literally all of the movies have moved. The only film left standing for the calendar that is... A blockbuster of sorts um, would be Wonder Woman 1984, and that, of course, is expected to move. And we're going to be discussing more in depth what that means, as well as other movies that have tried to get themselves bought by streamers, whether it be James Bond, No Time to Die, uh, asking for $600 million to Netflix or Apple, and the whole 
behind the scenes stuff that happened there that's very much intriguing. Uh, we're going to give uh, Peter his opportunity to respond to one of our previous news shows where Kyle was on talking about the multiverse, the stuff that Marvel has cooking up uh, in the next couple of years. And uh, rest assured, Peter will bring his signature brand um, to, uh, uh, well, you know, you know, Peter Martinez. He, he will be very Peter about the whole thing. Um, and then you... And, <laughs> It's going to be fun. I don't want you to miss that out. What does that mean? You, it means that it speaks for itself. Uh, and we'll also give the Fantasy Fair podcast a little bit of a breather. We will co- we, we cover the bad Disney news stories for them. Even though that they're the Disney podcast, we usually we're given the stuff to basically take these shots at Disney. But I think they're well-deserved. But for whatever reason, the Fantasy Fair doesn't want to talk about these things. Um, we'll be talking about Disneyland versus California. Uh, and that's going to be fun to talk about. Peter, you want to say something, don't you? <laughs> uh, fuck the Fantasy Fair. Fantasy Fair, I should remind the audience. Uh, Peter says that lovingly because it is, of course, our sister podcast on our Red Spotlight, under our Red Spotlight network. So just keep in mind, Peter is known for his very infamous uh, sarcasm, uh, if that's the way we want to put it. Um, so that's the show today. There is no love. Cancel the podcast. <laughs> Uh, before we get into today's show, I do want to remind everyone, of course, that November is once again going to mark a themed month, as we like to do, of course, in the absence of new material, um, and frankly, of things to discuss. Peter and I like to get into film. That's what this podcast is, right? Last year, we did that with the Scorsese files, as we coined them, where we dug into the long history of Martin Scorsese's filmography. And this year for the month of November, we are doing the same with, we'll call him an artiste of a high caliber, Mr. Guillermo del Toro. We're going to be talking about all of the movies that he's directed, all 10 of them. They'll be presented in three uh, episode installments. And it's going to be very interesting. Uh, it, it's a wonderful carryover, I feel, from October, where there is still a little bit of horror in there, but they're more fantastical. Um, and I can't wait for those conversations. And of course, we'll also be talking about The Good Place, the series that was created by Michael Shore, also known for Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Parks and Recreation, The Office, David Francisco, uh, especially as a huge fan of this series uh he even listens to a podcast called the good podcast where they go into the, the people who make the show go in like a whole like this behind the scenes stuff going on and a lot of the ethics involved with the series so i got into it in a really big way i loved it and peter likes it too and so we'll be uh having two episodes covering all four seasons of the good place and speaking of fantasy fair as you gave him a beautiful shout out with that wonderful language peter Fuck them. this month in <laughs> this month in november doesn't he love them so this month they'll be covering the muppets you love the muppets don't you peter <laughs> i love what the muppets used to be until Before the dark it. times Oh my god. Before the Disney Empire. 
So that is a recap of all of the wonderful stuff that we have coming your way uh, here at our beautiful podcast network. Now, let's go ahead and start this episode. Uh, Peter, uh, I want to ask you, how are you? (laughs) We are literally a week out from an election. And I, I wonder, are we like on pins and needles here? Are we... Are we just like over it? How are we? I mean, if you saw the message I had just sent you, you know how I am. <laughs> every mo- every feeling, every emotion ever. <laughs> oh, God. Um, it's funny, right? Because... And maybe this is just the shitty way my brain works. But I also think it's reality. Um, Like coronavirus. (laughs) Since you were the only one to see it coming a mile away. I mean, hell, I'll I'll say one thing. Um, If you were working in the administration with a reasonable president, obviously, not this one, you would have done nothing, you would have been fired and killed a long time ago. But if you had a reasonable president, if they had listened to you, we we wouldn't have, well, they would have fired you. And you would have been like, probably, you know. Point is, had people listen to what you said back in January, there would have been a good chance this year would have turned out differently. Um, yeah, absolutely. But like with that administration, it's anybody could have it's told pointless. them. Yeah. Well, they, they knew they, we mm-hmm. <laughs> let's, let's, I mean, we know they knew Jesus, the, the stuff that's leaked out <laughs> himself could have, floated down from the sky and said my children beware covid and then all the republicans would deny him and make trump yeah. their new god mm-hmm. uh, which they basically already have and i mean it's it's kind of baked in at this point yeah so <laughs> there's nothing no one could have done but okay what was my original point oh yeah i i feel like a lot of people were looking at november 3rd like oh like they just want to crawl to that finish line like uh, we just need to get there that's the end um hmm. the way my brain works that. it's like <laughs> november 3rd is the beginning <laughs> that's the way i'm i'm thinking that's the way my brain uh-huh works. that's the way my brain works and it's not great <laughs> cuz it obviously it leads me to uh worry about things but then i'm always right to worry so then it makes me worry even more which just makes me malfunction like with covid uh. <laughs> um yeah i gotta look we we've been covering a lot of the stuff that has happened with the election for you know a lot of this year a little of the beginning of this year with to the table and it's continued with red spotlight with all the stuff that has happened in the country and last we came with we came to you with a news podcast. I'm talking to the audience here. We were mourning the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and here we are on the night that Amy Coney Barrett is confirmed as a justice on the court um, because of the evil Republicans and the weak and feckless Democrats. Um, yep. And 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 the ones who end up uh, getting punished are us. <laughs> <laughs> because that's the joke's always on us, isn't it? Yeah. Um. It, it can be up to anybody Bet else. Joker's to be evil making a lot of sense weak. now, huh? 
Oh my god. Um. Oh my god. <laughs> oh jeez. Um. Society. But yeah. It's it's uh no. I mean it's a moment to take into to account. I mean tonight. We have a new Supreme Court justice, and tonight Obamacare died, and the entire presidency of Barack Obama has at last been wiped away from history because of this. So it's as if the last 10 years literally meant nothing. I mean, we knew that before, mm-hmm. but this literally means that like, maybe even the last 50 years have meant nothing because of her confirmation. This um, Supreme whole Supreme Court justice thing like perfectly encapsulates the problem we're in. Oh, yeah. Because you have the Republicans doing this, so you have to deal with their evil asses. But then this problem can be solved. It 100% can be, can be. It literally just requires the Democrats to have a spine. Which, if you're a hopeful person, your hope just plummets at the thought of the Democrats actually. So... I think it's a great encapsulation of the trouble. Uh, Just the politics of the United States in which the Republicans, despite the fact that they're fucking evil and the majority of Americans do not believe or follow anything they say, they get to control government as wildly like a monkey controlling a machine gun. And all it takes is the Democrats to stop them is to have a spine. And because that's just not going to happen, it'll continue. So, uh, I want to reiterate, vote for Joe Biden, obviously, because I think this is the best way to look Mm -hmm. at it. Um, None of these people are your friends. They're all enemies. So, you pick your enemy. Voting is about picking your enemy. And I much rather have Joe Biden as an enemy than Donald Trump as an enemy. Uh, Joe Biden, like we've said a million times before, is better in every single conceivable way to Donald Trump. Like there's, but from there you push and you fight because he is your enemy. And then when it comes to primaries, you primary the fuck out of any Democrat that doesn't get in line with a better tomorrow. It's always about picking your enemies. I, of course, second that, but uh, therein lies the question, you know, it was a little bit hidden in the question that I asked first uh, in, in terms of how are we feeling with it being a week out from an election? Well, uh, how does the race look like to you now that the two this debates the have wait, concluded and now game. we're just basically, <laughs> you know, we're just, we need, uh-huh. Yeah. That this is the waiting period. Cause really, I think there's little else that can happen in the race um, the next few days that can really shift anything. The Supreme Court, I will say real quick, because uh, I feel like the Kavanaugh thing helped Republicans in the midterm elections get them excited to come out and vote. And we could have won some seats that we didn't because of that whole Kavanaugh situation. But this Barrett confirmation, maybe because it was so easy, maybe because it was so under wraps, if anything, it may have actually helped the Democrats mm-hmm. uh 
I mean, in terms of the voters, I'm not sure. Yeah. That's like it remains to be seen. I just don't know if the I'll Republicans, be honest, the besides the Trump diehards, are really excited. Thinks for the that many within the Democratic establishment didn't put up much of a fight because they'd rather use this as a way to say, "See, Republicans bad, vote for us." I don't know. I'm the kind of person if you if you had fought tooth and nail to prevent this, yeah. that would make me more willing to want to right, vote for you right. than just sitting back and saying, "Man, they're doing a lot of shitty things." Wouldn't it be nice if they weren't in power? And it's like, "Yeah, but it would also be nice if you use whatever power you have now to do something about it because then that tells me when you have even more power, you'll do more." Um I, I, you know what? I'm gonna make my big prediction. What's what's today? Today is <laughs> October 26th, 2020. Um, I am on the West Coast, <laughs> and it is 9:30 p.m. PM exactly. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We're going to record it now, your prediction for the... It's, it's, all right, it's, all right. It's in the books. We can come back and see how accurate my predictions are. Just looking at the polls and just having followed pol politics my entire life, I feel like I have a just pretty good gut reactions to which way the wind is blowing. Um... I definitely felt it in 2016, and it scared the shit out of me. And I, a part of me really didn't want to believe it, but it got me even more scared. And then, yeah, the fucking Trump won. Uh, looking back, if anyone was even barely paying attention, they should have seen it coming. But yeah. this time around, though, uh, notwithstanding fuckery that might happen with the courts. That will happen. Cause... Well, the courts is a little <laughs> bit of a question. I think the fuckery mm -hmm. on behalf of the GOP and what they're going to plan via voter suppression, ballot dis uh, burning, yeah. whatever, or, you know, mm -hmm. all that voter ID laws. When you factor all that, that's the fuckery on behalf of the GOP establishment. The courts is a different question, but there's mm -hmm. likely going to be some kind of a court situation happening. Withholding any of that, I think this could probably be the biggest blowout in modern political history. I really do believe that. That is Just a very bold prediction. Looking, You're saying it's very, very 400 bold. electoral votes? Is that within reach, you feel, with Joe Biden? That would include winning oh, it's, Florida, it's, Georgia, I North Carolina, Texas, Iowa, uh, Pennsylvania, Ohio. I mean, that... that I'm not saying it's within reach. It's within I'm reach. not saying he's going right, to do right. it, <laughs> but it's absolutely within reach. I'm definitely not saying he's going to do it, but it is when it, it is within reach. Right. Uh, I see him hitting at least 330 electoral. Yeah, that could happen. I see this race. Um, uh, let me let me just see if I can if I can uh, summarize this. I see this race mm -hmm. exactly how you see it in terms of which way. You can feel it, though, when you say that which way the wind is blowing. Um, and it's definitely blowing at warp speed <laughs> in a certain direction. Um, almost everything is going wrong for one candidate, and almost everything is going right for the other candidate. Um, 
And in terms of like the fundamental components of this race, I agree completely. But I, I feel like to me, there are two outcomes. One is what you just said. And two is the more conservative approach that I'm taking, uh, which is the only conservative anything I've ever done in my life. But I mean, out of, you know, out of an abundance of caution, and I'm not going to make a prediction for the sake of the universe. So don't get your hopes up there. But I will say that <laughs> one of the scenarios that I feel is more than likely, it's a disaster. <laughs> All those things that you chalked up to fuckery. To me, it's already a foregone conclusion that's going to take place. I mean, we know it's going to take place. I think the question is whether or not it'll be enough to even like change the direction of the individual yeah. states one way or the mm-hmm. other. Um, I, I mean, and I, I've been gearing up toward this the whole year, and I've been looking at the red states that are technically battleground states that are controlled by GOP-led legislatures, and if they do whatever they can to turn around the results and, you know, um, if Joe Biden ends up winning Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, which most of those will be close, Wisconsin the closest, I think Michigan is getting away from Trump and Pennsylvania, we'll see. But if he just gets those three back, then it it, it still pisses me off, honestly, right? Because, like, even if like, Hillary was a terrible candidate, but I never thought she was so terrible to the point where she would lose fucking Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Never in my life that I think a Democrat could even fucking lose those states. I think John Kerry and Al Gore carried those states, God's sakes. And she was obliterated. Like that's like literally that, that to me watching those three states fall on election night it's like watching the great wall of China just collapse in front of my eyes. It's how what a disaster it was. And if she had held on to those three, this would have never happened. Trump would have never been president. So I've been saying literally for 4 years, if you can just win those three states back, we did it. That's all you got to do. Um I think there's a good chance, I think there's a greater chance that that that's what's going to happen. But again, the fact that those states fell in the first place, uh, to this day, still just enrages me. I understand why. I understand all the components as to what it was. uh, And we don't want to lay down a whole laundry list here at this point. But there's a good chance... um, this can be a blowout election, but considering all the fuckery and all of the and how a lot of swing states, to be clear, are very close. I think just about all of the swing states, except for the midwestern states, are within the. I mean, two or one or two points separating the two candidates. It's going to be a close race in a lot of these swing states, but, um, and with that, you know, being the reality, I think there's a good chance. Uh, two ninety, I think there's there's a good chance it. Depending on how close it is, it can be below 300 or it can be close to 400, um, the the path toward victory for Joe Biden. But I guess the question here is, um, <laughs> that's if the things that we expect to happen, happen. And no tampering and no outright theft is attempted on the part of the president, whether it be sending federal agents to polling locations, outright closing polling locations, which to me sounds ridiculous because most of the people voting on election day are going to be Republican voters because most Democrats have already kind of mailed in their votes. So I guess the real... Well, see, yeah. when I think about fuckery, I don't think about any of those things. I think about challenging... Uh, 
any ballots that mail-in ballots that might get there after November 3rd. Yeah. Because they're already signaling with their new Supreme Court like, oh, nope, everything needs to be decided on November 3rd. They're already they're already trying to signal that the decision has to be made on November 3rd. And the only way to combat that. If it's a close race, if it's a 50-50 race, that's going to be disastrous. But that's why you say Mm -hmm. it's important for it to be a blowout. It needs to be a convincing win in order to stop the fascism from completely taking hold. The biggest thing to watch, and this is what gets me worried, I think is Florida. (laughs) Because, (laughs) yeah. Like, I'm sorry, any Flor- Floridians out there, but fuck Florida. No, fuck your governor. Um, I'll say that. Fuck Ron DeSantis. He's a... No, fuck the whole state. Like, no. I... How do I put this? Okay. I believe Florida is one of the few states that, like, should have everything counted oh, up. Oh, they will. There's no question. They will. Not mm-hmm. only will they be have everything counted up on the day, we will know by... Seven o'clock, eight o'clock, who won? Sure. And that's my thing. If Biden wins Florida... It's over. It's over. Yeah. That's it. He wrapped it up. We're good. You know? It's... it's We don't have to worry. If he didn't win Florida and it goes to Trump, that's when the odds start hitting... Yeah. You know, 60-40. <laughs> that's when oh fuck you know <laughs> which is what happened last time remember that's how it all started was when yeah that's how it started when trump won that state. which is when trump squeaked out a win in, in florida mm-hmm. but again biden absolutely 100 percent does not need florida to win but if he does win florida trump's chances of winning trump to nothing he can't win without florida And the thing that worries me about Florida is even back in the blue wave of 2018, uh, Florida still went red. We lost two two races. We lost a governor's race and a Senate race to Republicans. mm -hmm. It still went red. Yeah. And it actually, uh, it was actually, you would add like plus two or three. To what the polls said, leaning towards Republicans, actually. They actually undervalued Republicans in 2018. Mm-hmm. That was the only place they did, which was in Florida. And you have all this thing about how Republicans signed up a shitload of, registered a shitload of Republicans this go around mm-hmm. to vote. Um, and and of course the, the the excuse from the Democrats is oh COVID you know we couldn't go around registering Democrats really that's funny because when COVID was a big deal you encouraged all of your voters to go out and vote and make sure Bernie didn't get the election oh that's right thank you for reminding you me of that yeah yeah they didn't give a fuck about COVID then but it's a Republican eh, yeah. fuck these cowards anyway we got to vote them in. Um, <laughs> Real quick note on the Florida situation. I was uh, looking at a report this morning that showed that while the Republicans did register brand new voters more so than Democrats, the Democrats are getting more of their registered voters to turn out than the Republicans um, so far. Yeah, so but there's just so far. So far. And again, Election Day is going to make all the difference with Florida. 
the the thing with election day is it's Florida is full of old people. Yeah. And old people are creatures of habit. Mm -hmm. They are used to just walking in on on the day like they they've been voting for 40 plus years and the way they've always voted is the way they're going to continue to vote. Like I believe me, I am an old people expert. They You're Dr. <laughs> Slate. I am Dr. <laughs> um <laughs> they they once they have a habit like they're going to keep doing it, you know. None of this fancy smashing mail in, you know, back in my day, we we had to go to the polling place and wait in line and we voted and that's how we're going to do it. So Florida's one to worry about. Definitely. Yeah. Like that's one I don't, mm, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. And again, and I guess that's the way Florida likes it, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in my entire lifetime, I don't recall a single race in Florida that hasn't been close. They've all been mm -hmm. relatively close. It's a true battleground reason. state, although I think lately it's been leaning more and more red. Um, I'm surprised it's still a battleground state. I know, I know. Because you have just fucking insane people that live there, yeah. and then nothing but old, usually white, retirees... The socialist-fearing Hispanics from Venezuela and Cuba. And Cuba, and it's like, I don't know how it hasn't turned just I know. ruby red yet. I know. Like, it's crazy to me that it's still a swing state. But, and that's another thing. Oh, I'm so pissed off. Joe Biden had, like, zero Latino outreach. And that really does not surprise me. <laughs> Like, no shit. And I, I told you this was going to happen. They didn't value them. They didn't value them in the primary they didn't because value they went them to in Bernie the primaries Because they didn't win him. Right, right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Again, we, we all knew that the whole people of color thing was used as a weapon against Bernie because they didn't want to acknowledge Latinos or Hispanics as people of color. And that's why Bernie won places in California, Nevada, why he did so well in Texas. And of course... There was an article that said in the immediate aftermath of the primary that this was going to come back to haunt Joe Biden. And guess what? No shit it did because Joe Biden was very disliked. It wasn't just that they liked Bernie Sanders, that they did not care at all for Joe Biden in the least. People still don't like Joe Biden. They're well, just yeah. doing it to vote Trump out. Yeah. And it's just like, fuck, dude. Like, one of the f immediately after Bernie conceded. Mm hmm. The first thing the Biden campaign should have done was go to him and been like, hey, we need you with Latino voter outreach. Like they, they sh and, and I, they should have seen the writing on the wall, especially in Texas, fucking Texas. I like I don't. OK, I don't think Democrats. I don't think it's likely that they will win Texas. But holy fuck, if they had pushed out a major latino outreach it's like a neck and neck right now without I think it's within one. it's either dead even or within within a point with the absence of a major latino reach at the moment with the absence of one it yes. is a dead heat had there been one that would have made all the difference that would have made so much of a difference but i guarantee you all they were doing was thinking about florida and they're like well you know bernie's toxic towards florida because cubans and you know he's the socialist god and it's like, okay, fine, but then you better do some major fucking Florida 
Cuban Latino outreach out there. And then you didn't fucking do it. You should have been signing up people to vote like a motherfucker. And then you didn't fucking do it. So it's like, uh, so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Um, I would just say they they, uh, they don't want to do that because that would just bring legitimacy to the movement that Bernie Sanders led and his voters. And they look to me, this is, it didn't surprise me in the least, but you know, the democratic establishment has been very quite hostile. Uh, and even after, you know, uh, Sanders bowed at the altar of Biden and at the moment, like, just look at what's happening with the news media. Bernie Sanders has done countless rallies, virtual rallies or in-person rallies. Obama did one. And then which one did the newspapers and the, in the TV stations cover and which one didn't, of course. So, I mean, just ask yourself what all this really means. I think we know what it means. The point is vote. Yeah. Election day is coming. Yeah, vote. Please, if you haven't already, it's vote. It's uh, Unfortunately, it's going to require a little bit of a extra hazard if you're waiting to do it in person. It sucks and it's disgusting. I, we should say even though that there's going to be in-person voting and we want people to show up, it's disgusting that that's even going to be an option. People shouldn't have that option in the middle of a pandemic. Every, the whole country should have moved to mail-in ballot. I'm surprised as many sta- states did as you know as they're actually doing it but it's a national tragedy that we're having we're holding an election in which it's going to get people infected with coronavirus just no question about it that's what's going to happen it's going to be a super spreader event and your government could not be bothered just show up and die after the election is what they want you know to do with you especially i mean particularly the gop but um yeah. Yeah, I am. I'm. Yeah. <laughs> well, we transition out of this. Uh, I do want to remind everyone, of course, that there is a pandemic going on and the latest death count in the United States is 226,000 people dead. We're right back up to where the worst was, if not, you know, even worse than that, where over a thousand people are dying a day. Now we're up to 70,000, 80,000 people getting infected a day, every single day. Um, and their protections keep getting higher and higher. There will be apparently is 200,000 more deaths to come before the end of the year, before the end of January. Um, it is a disaster. Hospitalizations are spiking the red states. Now we can definitely put that back on them. The red states are spiking more now than they ever have because, of course, they completely lax about it. Um the, I think the election will, will come down to that. And, you know, for all the bashing we do of Joe Biden, I, I was actually content with his performance in the last debate, at least with the coronavirus section. Um, uh, he's not a great debater by any means, but even he was able to really make a fool out of him. And I'm not even sure if Trump, I know some conservatives loved that, that performance, that debate performance. I'm not sure if he's ever looked smaller, to be honest with you. He just looked he could have shit on stage and they claimed that it was a 4D chess power move. Yeah. The likes of which <laughs> well, what did you think of that no leader has Am ever Am I wrong? Done. Um, I think Trump came off as an annoying, whiny child the way he always has. And surprisingly, again, I don't fucking like Biden. I actually think that was his best debate performance this entire Year. election yeah. season no question in- including the primaries i think it was easily his best what was to me and impressive it, I, you know how i know it was his best 
the one thing that they that the Republicans came away going like, oh fuck yeah, this is our smoking gun. We we got them, boys. Oh shit, the Biden's going down. Was Biden going like, yeah, we should be transitioning away from fossil fuels? And republic and Republicans thought that was a slam dunk. I I think all of them before. Like, it's like, obviously, yeah, the voters are in their own little conservative bubble and that, like, they don't live within reality. But now it's the policymakers and the politicians and, and all the people, you know, actually part of the party that actually live within the bubble. It, the fact that they think this Hunter Biden shit means anything is fucking hilarious. It's so funny that they think anyone gives a shit, but they genuinely do think. I don't know. You were gonna say no, no. I think that that, that about covers it. It was, uh, um, it was quite telling. And yeah. uh, oh, I actually I want to get this on air because I want. I don't know <laughs> what. What do you? What I, do you this, want? This to, do? to me would, is like the most interesting, oh, and I have no idea what it would, it would go. Is let's say. As my prediction goes, although fuck, now I don't know because of Florida, but I do think all the, these other states like Michigan and all these Biden will win. Um, but let's say the election gets called that night, mm. right? November 3rd. What does night. Trump do? What does Trump do? What does he do? Well, he doesn't want- I honestly don't know. I think there'll be one of two things. Either... He challenges outright and says and says that he is suing and is trying to get those mm-hmm. mail-in ballots disqualified and then get a recount, or he's going to just, all right, all right, guys, we had a good run. Bye. I, I do you think like because it's traditional for the losing side to give a concession? Speech. Hillary Clinton didn't follow that until the next day. Uh, she remember she went to sleep. She was like, "I'm not going to go out in front of that." After the whole, after losing to Trump, she did not give a concession speech. She did. Oh, she didn't. She, no, no. Remember that she she didn't. She told them all to go home <laughs> at her headquarters party. Oh, I went to bed. Oh, that's right. You before? Oh, the, you were. I couldn't take it. I anymore. couldn't sleep. <laughs> and you went to bed. <laughs> I didn't sleep. I just moved away from a television. <laughs> no, no, no. She didn't give a concession speech that night. I think that was oh. the first instance of breaking tradition. She did, however call him that night to concede officially and then he gave his speech but she didn't give a speech until the next morning okay so yeah i don't i don't see trump you know what i see him doing i could see him doing a a farewell rally Not a concession speech, a farewell but if you're rally. Donald Trump, I can see him why doing would that. you why would you stop the rallies you may not you may not win re-election for the presidency, but mm-hmm. even the people I've, I'm, I've watched on cable news say that doesn't just because Donald Trump loses the presidency does not mean he's going away. He is a fixture no, of this owns Republican the balls party. Of the Republicans, yes, he though. does. And so, like in, in in many ways, he may even be more influential out of the presidency to his own party than being the president. Think about it, when he's president, all he does is whine <laughs> that they're doing this and yeah, they're doing yeah. that, and it's like what. Are you stupid? Well, he is stupid, but like you dumb motherfucker, you're the president. Do something about it. Why are you fucking whining? I don't think for a second the Trump rallies are going to end. That's what he loves. This no, of, of, of course not. But in, in a way, I almost think it's perfect 
Because mm. you keep these people sort of encased in, in 2016 in a time capsule. Yeah. And you're like, okay, you know, go go to the corner, enjoy your rallies. We'll forward humanity <laughs> as best we can. Yeah. Uh, and with Trump sucking up all the air, I, I can't see him like pushing forward a successor you know what i mean because trump doesn't care about that kind of shit like whoever they run in in 20 2024 like but that's thinking ahead i oh he could run himself again he he would be eligible to run again for the presidency in four years do it bitch (laughs) He could run again himself, and I wouldn't rule that out. I will say, though, um, if uh, the key state to look for um, beside Florida on election night is Pennsylvania. All right, let's say Trump wins Florida. Do you think Pennsylvania will be close? I don't want it to be close. I don't think it's going to be as close as other states, for sure. I, 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 ha- I have reason to believe Biden has a comfortable three, four, five point buffer uh, in that state that he will win. I think he will win that state. However, if you're coming at it from the you know opposing viewpoint, what I'm going to say is Trump doesn't, you know, it's not enough to win Florida. If he ends up winning Pennsylvania, that will put him at two to get to 270. That is to say... He needs to win both of those states to win the re-election. He can't just win yeah. one of them. Florida is uh-huh. big, but he also needs Pennsylvania. And he needs to hold on to Arizona. And that's looking not great. Oh, yeah. Arizona? Yeah. I, there's a lot of... Like, even though I'm worried about Florida, Biden is still technically leading in Florida, right? He's leading in all the polls, you- but I, I, I can't believe that. I just can't believe that. Like, cause it's the, the state has trended so red lately, unless like the seniors ended up doing him in, in Florida. But like those, those polls that showed like Bi- that show Biden ahead right now, Hillary was also ahead in the polls and every poll, I think back in, in 2016, when that state, the state polls were definitely more trash back then. I, I believe they've somewhat better that the national polls were f- pretty accurate that's right uh um yeah yeah florida it's just fuck remember florida i don't know if if we had no electoral college and if we just had straight up popular vote there'd be no question who'd win oh yeah it would be (laughs) over like i wouldn't i wouldn't even i'd just be sleeping soundly that night like oh yeah let me know how biden's speech went like that's (laughs) But we have an electoral college. But that's democracy, college. And, yeah. and we don't. We don't have. We that. don't live in a democracy. No, we don't. We don't. So uh, catch us next week and see if we're still alive. So my prayers be with you all. And Depending everything. on how things go, there might not be a shows next week. That is a very very good um, warning to forebode to every one of you. Um, but yes. Coronavirus has continued to be an issue with the industry that we cover, and that would be the movies, right? And in the last month that we've not been doing the weekly updates, because quite frankly, it's just, it's a little samey. And a lot of this is samey, but there have been more official moves to this stance that have happened um, to indicate a lot of different things. First and foremost, most of the 
if not all beside Warner Brothers' Wonder Woman movie, have moved away from the 2020 calendar. Um, they're just, they're gone. Um, and Oof. of course, Bye -bye. That, and Wonder Woman's expected to leave as well. And if, well, I mean, what else did we really fucking expect? If you've been listening to this show all year long, God, God bless you, I guess you have. Uh, God help you <laughs> if you've been listening to us all year long. But if you have, then you know. This was a foregone conclusion, and I think Peter and I were talking about, even in April and May, like, yeah, maybe August, maybe October, but by the time we got to July, I think it was all but, like, July and August, it was all but, like, the writing was on the wall, and it's hitting these studios in a way they just didn't think it would, but thank you to Christopher Nolan and Tennant for flopping and failing so hard to, you know, to prove the point that in a pandemic, movie theaters just cannot be open because it is, you cannot sustain yourself, yourself financially, which is why Regal Cinemas announced that they were closing. That's it. There's no movies to release and they don't feel the need to bother. Because, I mean, I don't know if it's been mentioned, but because of Nolan's idiotic ego and this need to push forward to reopen movie theaters along with everything else in this country, that ended up hurting movie theaters even more so than if they just stayed closed. Thank you, Christopher Nolan, for saving film. You did it. Good job. So proud of you. Really, really, really fucking worth it, wasn't it? <laughs> you stupid motherfucker. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah, happened. That, those are my feelings. Yeah, that's what here. happened. And uh, with that, Soul, the Disney Pixar film, was the first major movie that's going to be on Disney Plus, not Mulan. You know, Mulan notwithstanding. Um, but it's not going to be a, prim a premier access as it was for Mulan. It seems as if Disney has admitted that's all but failed and that's going to be available to you if you're a Disney Plus subscriber. So we're going to catch Soul on Christmas Day, which to me, I am disappointed, of course, like with many of these other movies that uh, I'm not going to be able to catch it in a movie theater uh, screen because that would have been an amazing experience. But I have such high hopes for this movie. Um, that I think on Christmas Day and with the subject matter that it is, I can think of no better movie to close out this awful year uh, <laughs> than with Soul. Uh, so you know what? A sweet release. Yeah. And I think I think it's actually a smart play because as we as Disney announced uh, lately, the, the, the restructuring everything around Disney Plus, which is, you know, the only thing making a buck these days for the company. And... It is smart timing on their part because, you know, December is the month where a lot of people are going to have to be deciding to renew their subscription or cancel it. And of course, wouldn't you know that, you know, with the service being dormant all year long, basically, until the time comes for you to renew the service or not, in the month of December, they're going to give you the movie Soul. Mulan is going to be, uh, they're going to tear down the paywall and it'll be available to subscribers uh, for those that haven't seen it yet. You're also going to get WandaVision, and you're going to get uh, the final episodes of The Mandalorian Season 2, which that, by the way, is you know debuting on the 30th of October this Friday as we're recording. So look, they have a lot of uh, content. Finally, they have a lot of content happening in December, um, and, and I think it may, it, it may end up being fruitful for them. Um and since it is now becoming top priority for Disney, one can hope that in 2021, we won't spend most of the year with literally nothing to review from that service but documentaries. 
Um, but hey, there's that. Um, yeah, it's. It, I think what what's fascinating to me about this entire story is not so much what ended up happening, but just the complete deluded states that people allowed themselves to become into thinking that, you know, this really could have worked. This relaunch of movie theater going in the middle of a pandemic. There were some um, in the media that were criticizing Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, for not allowing movie theaters to open in his state, as if that really did anything. Because without the without without the state of New York, seventy to seventy five percent of movie theaters were open in the U.S. And you know how many people went to the movies each week? About three million dollars worth. That is pathetic. That is no one. No one is making any money off of that. It just isn't working. And it's not worth it, obviously. Even if there were new movies, but there were none. So, of course, that... And I think Tenant made a million dollars in the U.S. this past week. That's awful. That's pathetic. And the fact that people thought that this would be profitable in the middle of a pandemic, it the, the stupidity is just amazing to me. It really is. Um, but I guess the bigger story is like people I think are, are, are getting themselves so crazy. And what, what I find particularly disgusting, Peter, and this is a good way to kind of transition to the whole Disneyland thing, because it also it does involve Disney and the kind of brinksmanship that they're bringing up here. But I find it really distasteful that everyone... And their supporters, whether it be, you know, Disney themselves and their fans from the parks side or else even the films side, I see alike two groups of people that don't necessarily go together um, in every context. But in this context, they do movie fans, film fans and theme park fans, the Disney theme park fans, all kind of uniting to criticize the Democratic governors who are literally trying to keep people from dying and blaming them for not opening up their theme park or not opening up their theaters and pointing the finger at them and saying, it's your fucking fault that things are this bad. Fuck you. And I find that entirely just, it's just disgusting that when they're the only people right now in the country that are doing a damn thing about COVID. The only people. The governors of New York and California. And yet they're the yeah. ones who are responsible for... These people crying about, I can't go to Disneyland. I can't go to a movie yeah. theater. Because <laughs> it's specifically when it comes to Disney. Because, I mean, with theaters, I've said what I have to say about that. Um, there's always two things, right? One, it's it's people that obviously just love Disney and want to go to Disneyland. And they, wanna, they just want to do whatever the fuck they want to do. Um. And then when you point that out, they're like, well, no, it's about the jobs. It's about the economy. People need to make a living. They need to do this. They need to do that. It's the same with, it is the same with the movie theaters. It's the same with all of this. They always talk about like, oh, well, you know, we need to open it up because people's work and this, this and that. And it's like, awesome. Where was this fucking energy when we needed uh, relief, right? Like financial relief from the government. Instead of protesting in front of Disneyland because you want to go eat a churro and blog about it to your 3,000 subscribers, why weren't you in front of the White House demanding uh, COVID, massive COVID 
trillion dollar recovery. The capital that is never that the is capital just, building even in Washington D.C. The, the yeah, Senate that is just not going to get passed now. Because guess what? After they got their nomination, they're like, "Well, we're shutting down the government. Sorry, guys. See you. <laughs> see you next year. Well, not next year, but it, where was any of that energy? Nowhere to be found. So." Take your complaints about movie theaters. Take your complaints about Disney and Disney employees and your anger at uh, Newsom and the California government for keeping it closed and just so politely, you know, shut the fuck up. Shove it. Like, I don't I don't care. I don't want to hear it. It's just so offensive. Um, And part of this, and you and I had discussed this, part of this uh, stems from uh, what a horrible job America does with education in that it seems as if most Americans have no understanding of how government functions in that it is the responsibility of the president, you know, the executive branch and the legislative branch, the Congress, they're the ones who agree to spend money. And so it isn't the responsibility. It isn't actually even within the power of the individual governors or the state legislatures to pass aid or relief that falls on the Congress and who controls that the Republicans and Donald Trump. And so if everyone out there listening is mad that you're being crushed, that your business is dying, and you're sad for those in your life that are losing as a result of this pandemic, there is no one else to look to than the President of the United States and his party that controls Congress that has refused to pass aid. And keeping it real, of course, the first CARES Act that did pass back in March was nowhere near substantial enough, and most of that money ended up going to the one-tenth of one percent, their friends on Wall Street, that they warned back in January how tough this is going to be for them, but told the rest of us, don't worry about it, it's going to go away. It's really obvious what's going on, and I just find it offensive that you would point to the only people in power who are doing a damn thing to keep us safe. There is a pandemic. It is killing people. 226,000 dead. That's the priority. The economy matters too, but Governor Newsom and Governor Cuomo can't do a damn thing about that. That falls on the Republicans. And as far as the whole thing with Disney is concerned, this is the thing that, that really gets me so annoyed and disgusted with Disney fans is that I feel like they're using the whole, like, well, it's not because we want the park to open for ourselves. It's because our friends are suffering and they need work and they need relief and everything. They're so full of shit. Yeah. I feel like they use that as like a a scapegoat, (laughs) really. I don't think that's what they're really concerned about because look at what the company has done. Just a few weeks ago, Disney fired 28,000 people in the entire company. And when they announced that, what did they do? They said... This is not our fault. This is what happens when the governor of California doesn't allow us to open up in the middle of a pandemic. So because of that, we're going to blame it on him. When in reality, they're just trying to shift the blame. And of course, their supporters and their followers follow suit with that, right? They don't want to be the ones 
that were responsible when they obviously were. And of course, no one brings up the fact that a month prior to laying off 28,000 people, all of the executives had their salaries reinstated, their full salaries reinstated. When that alone could have paid to keep all of the hired hands on instead of dropping them like pieces of shit, which is what Disney did to all those cast members. Um, <laughs> the stories that have come out were, you know, certain cast members that had been there a long time through seniority, they were, they were tricked into giving up their status to working in a certain section of the park because they wanted to work at that part of the park, but they had to give up their seniority to it. And they were the ones that were the first to get fired, the first to get um, laid off notices. Um, you say that, and I think you're right when you say Disney is just being a company, right? So we shouldn't have yeah. expected anything more than this, right? I think the, the, the part that's the most upsetting is how the people are reacting to this and where, and how they're just like swallowing this shit and thinking that it's actually real and true. I mean, we should, the outrage should stop at the fact that there are people that want to go to a theme park in the middle of a pandemic. You would think that that would be as bad as it got, but no, it's even further than that. Like in this year of wonderful protests with Black Lives Matter, there have been protests to end the lockdown. There have been protests at Disneyland to get Disneyland to reopen. But I am happy with the governor of California, though, just to put a button on this Disney issue where he said, you can't open up Disneyland until you get your COVID-19 cases down to 2%. Boom. It ain't happening. And he flat out said, 2020, get it out of your minds, people. It's not happening. Finally, someone says that. It... <laughs> If and if you're unhappy with this, I vote. <laughs> I the national response that um that Trump did was just absolutely terrible. Um, I heard this the other day, and it's a hundred fucking percent true. Um, and again, this person I'm about to mention, I do not like them. I do not like them at all. But if Hillary Clinton were president. Uh, we probably would have had about 50,000 deaths total and Republicans would be crying and screaming about those 50,000 deaths now until forever. I mean, I grew up hearing about Benghazi endlessly, about how it was the worst thing that could have ever happened in the history of the world ever, but 225 plus thousand dead is yeah well you know we just we gotta live with it you know just move on okay we're learning <laughs> trump literally goes out in his now like this is literally a talking point now he's like oh the media won't shut up with covid they're always talking about covid 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 that's literally your president literally your president who's annoyed that he has to deal with all of you dropping dead And then on top of that, he never provided you with any relief. It was a one-time check of about a thousand or so dollars and then said, good luck lasting an entire year on that. I'm sure you'll do great. If, if, if you're not willing to decry that, then don't come to me crying about how we need to open up. 
because if you had been fighting where you should have been fighting from the beginning, maybe we'd have COVID relief and, and people's jobs would be in a secure place. Maybe if more public pressure was applied to Trump, you know, maybe we'd be in a better spot. Well said. Uh, before we move off this topic of, you know, industry-changing events, uh, you want to discuss the situation that happened recently with James Bond, the latest movie, Bond, uh, No Time to Die, otherwise known as Bond 25, would have scheduled to be released April this year, but obviously that was pushed in November, and then that was taken off and currently is scheduled to be opened in April of 2021. But it was leaked that there were discussions with MGM, the broccoli producing family of the Bond franchise, with streamers like Netflix and Apple TV+, Plus, uh, trying to shop it around and see who can fork up the dough, basically, and sell this big blockbuster movie on their streaming service. They asked, the big ask, $600 million, which, of course, is an unprecedented uh ask no such acquisition of a streamer do a movie has ever happened where it's that much money i think some of the reports suggested that some like apple were willing to go as high as 300 million um but there obviously wasn't a deal uh, it's been leaked because it's such a good story right um a lot of interesting things that would have happened had that have gone through would have changed a lot of different things but there's still interesting information uh, to be had from this, it says a lot about both of the parties involved in the discussions about where they think movie theater or movie-going experiences are going to be in the next year or so. Uh, Peter, your thoughts on this entire story? This one's really interesting, right? Because if this would have passed, it would have been monumental. It would have been the biggest sort of shift as far as film releasing, mm -hmm. film releases. Well, we thought that we, was going to happen with with Mulan, right? Like, that was the big move. But Mulan was shit. And it flamed like, out. I, yeah. Yeah, it, it was whatever. But James Bond is a huge established name, right? And it's not like a James Bond spinoff. It's James fucking Bond. Mm -hmm. It is, not only is it James fucking Bond... It's, uh, what's his fucking name? Daniel Craig. Uh, Daniel Craig's final outing as James Bond, right? Mm -hmm. Like, this is a big thing as far as movies Remember, go. uh, Skyfall grossed a billion dollars worldwide. It is a very, very, um, popular franchise to hit the billion dollar club. Yes. So, to see a film and a franchise of this stature hit the, hit the small screens... And the price tag paid for it, it's it's a game changer, mm -hmm. right? It didn't happen, but maybe the fact that the talks are even being made is, is interesting enough. Uh, apparently, the offer, I don't know if it was Netflix or Apple TV, was $300 million, Yep. And they wanted double, <laughs> which I think, you know, they were right to pass because to pay six hundred million <laughs> for one movie is fucking insane. And at right? the same time, though, um, I don't think that the Broccoli's were unjustified in that ask. They did. Get, I mean, they spend a lot of money to make that movie. It's mm -hmm. a blockbuster for a reason. That that is true, right? And then that's where 
because for years, right, you know, we've been wondering, like, fuck, is this the end of movie theaters? Right. It is the end of movie theaters for smaller films. Like, let's let's be real. That's been the case before a pandemic. After a pandemic, I mean, that's, you know, you Mm. you can gabble that. Well, after a pandemic, maybe people just want to go out and see fucking whatever, (laughs) (laughs) you know? So they'll, they'll watch smaller films. But before... Yeah, smaller films being in the theaters, no. Now, though, I think it's very apparent movie theaters are not going anywhere. They can't. Because the only way they can make the big dough, which is what these studios are all in now, right? Like, all the studios are just massive uh, blockbuster franchise films. It's not even just blockbusters anymore. They have to be franchised. And... You can't make that money on streaming. You, If you want to make the big dough, you need movie theaters. You need them. And I think this is a sign. If it went through, it would be... What was that? <laughs> it was a water bottle. It just cracked. Oh, okay. It was weird. <laughs> it's like, what was... <laughs> What's that? What's what? Nothing. I know you're trying to um... get me, you bitch. No, I didn't turn around. No. <laughs> Good, because it's staring. Good. Um, <laughs> you looked. <laughs> I can see behind me, you know that? Like, I have a screen right here that shows me the picture of me. Well, you got so scared that you had to put a screen to show Continue you behind Continue your me. point. Um, what was my point? Oh, <laughs> yeah, if the deal did go through, it's like, holy fuck, mm-hmm. you know, times are changing. But the fact that it didn't and honestly i feel that it wasn't even close because they say you know highest we're going is 300 million and they say lowest we're going is you doubling it yeah you're not close to making a deal uh shows despite the fact that you know blockbusters and movie theaters and the whole film industry has just been pushed to the brink by covid uh the only way it survives is through movie theaters, at least for for big films. The other alternative and people is, are always going to want big films. I mean, you're right. Yeah, that's kind of the re- the only reason why theaters, in in large part, are so prevalent. Uh, you can make the argument like other kind of analog um, materials that could have been would have died out years ago, but it is those big blockbuster movies that have kept movie movie going alive for such a long time and the alternative is if you can't have one without the other is what you're saying right and that is if movie theaters go then so do blockbuster movies you, yeah. you just can't make those movies with the kind of money that you're going to get as a result there's just there's no point you're throwing money away you'll go bankrupt but americans only have a hunger for blockbusters and really the whole world there's a reason why uh they've come to dominate the entire film industry so like if if, no matter how long we're wondering there's a reason why marvel movies and star wars movies aren't on disney plus they don't debut on disney plus yeah and toss you your mandalorian bones but (laughs) 
the the big film and that hey, is pretty pricey i mean it's 10 million dollars an episode from what i hear i mean that's 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 big money for television remember television and movies are just so different but people again like this is just a most i would guess just don't know this because just they, they're just there's no education to it right like you have to know i think a certain amount about this industry to understand what you understand peter and that is just a very plain reality so like i guess like is this to you so what you just said is because deals like this with no time to die couldn't be made does that make you feel better than about the survival of movie theaters after the pandemic I think it made me feel better about there still being yeah. theaters around after this is all over. I think theaters will always exist as long as movies are being made. Right. I would say. I think it's pretty obvious that while streaming has absolutely skyrocketed, mm -hmm. it's not... It, it just doesn't seem to be replacing anything right now. And it's not close to being replaced. Well, Again, yeah. if... If it, we were anywhere close to re replacing movie theaters, this would have done it. Like, this would have pushed it to the brink where... But it didn't, so... Yeah. One other tidbit about this that I feel it kind of reveals. I think if I found it very re revealing, right? Because as I mentioned before, MGM and the Broccoli's had scheduled, rescheduled again, Bond 25 to be released in April of 2021. And yet they were still doing, they were still having talks about sending this to streaming. Does that confirm to you or at least lead you to suspect that they themselves have no confidence in movie going experiences returning in April of 2021? Yeah, see, that's the thing. While in the long run, it gives me hope, like, yeah, movie theaters don't seem to be going anywhere. In the short run, it's this thing of like, oh, this sense of, you know, you didn't get any movies in the theaters in 2020. I don't know if you should be any hopeful for 2021 either. Which, again, is a wider metaphor for everything else in life, right? <laughs> Yeah. Just because 2020 was bad doesn't mean 2021 is going to be better. Um, A vaccine's expected spring, summertime 2021. I think, to me, the most optimistic I can be to expect some kind of normalcy with theaters are concerned to return late summer, early fall, maybe. 2021. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how much of a difference a Biden administration would make, right? They'd like, have a pandemic team funded and in place for one. That's a big fucking difference. Yeah. <laughs> like how how different would it be when the people that run our country at least halfway give a shit? <laughs> how big of a difference would that make? Right. You know, that's the biggest, um, I don't know, biggest question. My hope is that it would, make a huge difference but keep in mind of course it's not just the white house there's a good chance uh the senate is going to have a change in uh, mm -hmm. power as well so yeah but even though we vote 
November 3rd, it still takes a while until they get into power. Yeah, January of 2021, right? Yeah, so it's still going to take time. And right now we're hitting all-time high records. Yeah, yeah. So, yep. (laughs) By the way, yeah, so... I don't know. I just want to mention this Mm -hmm. because a lot of people, they talk about COVID and they talk about this and it's sure most people don't die from COVID very of of the millions of people that live in the United States, 220,000 conservatives loves pointing out like, Oh, 2.01 or whatever. How very pro-life of them to say. Yeah. Extremely pro-life. It's, if I remember reading the Bible correctly, Jesus, the very people Jesus said was okay to die was, you know, the poor, the feeble and the sick already, you know. And Democrats. Children. For sure Democrats. Oh, yeah, obviously. But specifically, you know, the poor and the children they're, and the, the sick, they, they fuck them. I think that was Jesus' exact words, fuck them. Remember, the president um, said good to the fact that, you know, the children are in cages and their parents are never going to be found again. So, Oh, more than that. He just seemed annoyed that he even had to think about it for two seconds. <laughs> They're beautiful cages. <laughs> They're clean. They're wonderful cages. <laughs> They're so clean. Uh, Borat was ahead of the game on that one. With the cages. <laughs> oh, uh, boy. What was I even fucking saying? <laughs> Oh, I remember. Uh, So people talk about like, yes, very low mortality rate, you know, all that. But what they don't talk about is even though a very, very small percentage percentage of people end up dying, everyone collectively in this country has basically lost a year of their life. At least. And yeah. And that's because of a government that didn't give a shit. There are people in your life that you have probably not seen in months. You know, there's there's celebrations you haven't experienced. There's things you wanted to do that you can never do. We had plans, remember? <laughs> we Before had a this lot of plans, did, yeah. We had a lot of plans. And that was taken from us. Everyone's had that shit taken from them. And it didn't have to be that way. I want to make that very clear. It never had to be that way. This idea that, you know, oh, you, there's nothing we could have done, you know, it, it, it ended up like this because it had to end up like this. That's that's wrong. That's absolute bullshit. It never had to be like this. And yeah, I don't know. Just felt like throwing that out there. Well, um, last thing before we get into our movies that we want to discuss, Marvel, that multiverse prediction you threw out there a couple months back, maybe weeks back, sorry, um, has come to fruition. Uh, Doctor Strange, Jamie Foxx, Electro are in Spider-Man 3. There are ongoing rumors that are very likely about Garfield and Maguire returning to reprise their roles for a multiverse Spider-Man movie. The multiverse event is supposed to be limited, from what I understand, uh, from WandaVision to Spider-Man 3 to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Multiverse of Madness has ongoing rumors about people like Tom Cruise coming in and playing alternative versions of multiverse Tony Stark and blah, 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 blah. 
we had a podcast about that uh, a few weeks back with Kyle Lara. Uh, I'm not sure if you caught that discussion, Peter. Um, it was interesting. Um, I guess I was very restrained because uh, I didn't want to rain on anybody's parade. And I, but I guess I got my taste of being you for a second there because uh, Kyle was very uh, optimistic and enthusiastic about all of this. And I was a little bit more tempered. And I have to say, I, yeah, my mood on this changes on the day, right? So there are times when you ask me about this, I'm like, I'm, I'm not enthusiastic about all this, which I think that in and of itself is a fail. If you're going to ask, you know, hey, are you enthusiastic about a movie or a series of movies? And you say no, well, that's kind of a lose in that situation. I'm I'm not rooting for it to fail, and neither are you, to be clear. I mean, no. you being critical of this stuff, and you will be critical about this, uh, people should understand, it is not you wanting these movies to be a disaster, or, or it's not even also you rooting for you to not like these movies. You've been very clear since the day I've met you about how you are with things. When you see the wind blowing a certain way, you're going to call it out. And if the day comes that you're proven wrong, you have no problem doing so. So just so people don't under, don't misunderstand where you come from uh, in that regard. But the more I hear about this, the more annoyed and uninterested I become. And keep in mind, I'm maybe the one who is more open to it, but I'm not really <laughs> open to it. Like, this kind of feels like a big like gimmick and there's no reason for it but to just do a gimmick and i i want it to be good but i i just feel like th this is too much and not interesting enough i guess that's where i come from you uh, boy I think gimmick is the right word for it. It feels like a gimmick. And see, this is the thing, right? When you go back to the original MCU the fucking decade of films, most of the films weren't great. They were okay. They were good. Um, but there were two things that really lifted them up in my eyes. One, just this sort of shock and realization and just fucking awe at the fact that wow i am able to see this character on the big screen right the idea of seeing doctor strange on the big screen is enough you know i don't just enough to make me go crazy again i grew up in the era of <laughs> the early 2000s in which and you know those those little slightly later 1990s where the comic book movies weren't amazing you got maybe a couple every year <laughs> most were shit you know there's definitely some diamonds in the rough and i clung to those diamonds but guess what i also clung to the shit <laughs> because i was happy that it even existed and there was a lot of that, right? Mm. A lot of that with those early MCU films where it's like, wow, this exists. Yeah. And it's not dog shit. Yeah. The fact that it wasn't, it wasn't dog shit was good enough for me. By God, it was very much good enough for me. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing, which this was more of the gimmick, but it was a good gimmick. 
And I think it ultimately paid off in the end. Yeah. Which was this overarching connective story where everything basically connects to the Avengers. Everything was about connecting back to them. And even more than that, specifically Iron Man. And sometimes they could overdo it. Sometimes it could get annoying. Sometimes you just go like, eh, I wish they would focus more on just telling this original story. But overall, it was obviously a positive. Like, I don't think anyone can deny that, <laughs> you know, the, the way they, they connected it. And I couple that with the fact that I'm just so happy this thing even exists in the first place. And it was very easy to ride that wave for a decade. But... <sighs> I'm not once it hit that decade and by the time I got to Endgame it's just like yeah I've I've seen all this. One thing I will say not to not mm-hmm. to this is for you know to I found an interesting similarity here. You say the decade point. A lot of people including you were beginning to feel a little bit of they're not similar in what's I think ailing the different studios but there definitely began a noticeable decline with Pixar uh, post Toy Story 3, this whole past decade, basically. Mm -hmm. So, which is to say, and and Pixar had probably the most financial success with those sequels, but from a critical standpoint, it wasn't the originality that that studio was known for and you were very critical of, and rightfully so. The point there being is, when you say decade, it is hard to sustain success for a decade Number one, number two, longer than a decade, right? Yes, obviously, right. And then with like, what was it, twenty-two films? Like Jesus, <laughs> most most get to like six, and people are like, stop already, or even four. But these fuckers did twenty-two, right? And it, it, I don't think I'm weird for going like, okay, just a typical superhero film is just not enough even with all the Avengers connections, it's just not enough for me anymore. It's, yeah. I just can't I feel care. Like, I feel like that's kind of natural. And I, mm-hmm. I wonder if perhaps we're underestimating uh, just a tad bit. Because I feel like you and I often feel like we're alone on an island <laughs> when it comes to like some of the takes that we have. But I, I feel like at some point, there is going to be a setting in of, well, where is this going, right? Because what, what sustained the Marvel Cinematic Universe was the promise that this was going to have a conclusion. And I have that conclusion, right? And the last, and this is a, a very distinct image I have in my mind. The last time I saw Avengers Endgame in the theater, I was walking out, and this one guy said to me um because we both walked out at the same time uh, he said to me there's no point in waiting for a post credits and a post credit scene because it's the end right yeah it was a good end and to me the impression i had from that guy was like he was beyond satisfied that this is over and he didn't seem like he needed any more <laughs> after endgame you know that's kind of why endings are a big thing. And that's not to say that, you know, the MCU couldn't have continued. I think you and I over the months have said um, that there would have been very creative decisions to have been made to sustain, I guess, 
the success well, of the movies, but you have to take a different approach is the point well, that, that was saying. I hadn't gotten to my point yet, which was after that, my hope, well, both me and yours hope, which was what we're going to say, and again, uh, Kyle's too. Feige. Kyle's too. Mm-hmm. I want to say this to be fair, Kyle, because I don't want mm-hmm. you know people to get the wrong impression. He comes. I never called him out. Well, let's not tempt fate. Before okay. the, let's preempt that a little bit. He, I think all of us come from a similar place. Although he did seem to be the multiverse stuff. My impression was it's gonna work on him. Is enough to quench his thirst in the moment. Yeah, so yes. That's... I I never questioned that, but. After... And that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. Just to be clear about that, I don't want people to get the wrong impression. If if this, is, if this works for would... you, good. Did he steal um, your puppy? What's going on? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know what happened. No, I just don't want people to have the wrong impression that we're mm-hmm. like we're like, oh well, you're a terrible person for like being excited for these things. And sometimes people can't no. have that impression when we bash. You're a things. terrible person if you like the fantasy fair. Um, <laughs> it's the only time you're a terrible person. Uh, what was I saying? Um, oh yeah, okay. So then, even Feige was like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna go off in a different direction and do this and do that." And it's like you have bought a decade's worth of goodwill. Go for it. You know, fucking focus more on the stories, do some interesting shit. And in fairness, there was a little taste of it with the announcement of Thor Love and Thunder, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the thing, right? Even though I wasn't fucking in love with any of the the announcements, really, again, there was like, oh, wow, Thor Love and Thunder. I'm fucking there. I'm excited. Guardians 3, I'm excited. Um, The, what's it called? WandaVision, theoretically, could could be cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. Oh, they're getting Sam Raimi? Yeah. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was hints that it would be horror-like. Oh, by the way, maybe this is why What's-His-Name left the project. Uh, no, Scott I, I know. I know why. I know this is why. I, okay. I have a, a sneaking suspicion once the whole multiverse connections started to like um, become clear, my thought went immediately to Scott Derrickson, the original director of Doctor Strange, when he, it was announced he was leaving the project. Because I remember when they had originally talked about this, I think Comic-Con last year, right? That they were teasing a horror element and he really wanted then- to go for that. <laughs> And then Kevin Feige was immediately like, well, it's not a horror movie, like right after. And and, and then... We should have seen that coming then. Yeah. I, at this point, they're going to have a scene where someone jumps out and says, boo. And then that's all good. That's the horror element as far as I'm concerned, because holy shit. Uh, but there was a lot of reasons to go like, oh, wow. You know, I, I was like, oh, my God, maybe they're doing it. Maybe they're going for it. They're going to... Do all these fun, interesting things that, by the way, DC is doing right now. Oh my god, yeah. 
they're really fucking doing it. And then this multiverse shit. And then I, it just makes me go like, of course. Like, why did I ever think they wouldn't do this? And it's, again, to me... <laughs> You see, DC, they're the ones that announced it first. They 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 were the ones that were that were going into this bold for direction. Flash right? for one movie uh-huh. though. Yeah, yeah. It was it was <laughs> Right, yeah. But to be fair and to them, and they they did Flash. it first and then Feige was like, nah, yeah, I, I wanna Simpsons did it. Yeah. <laughs> uh to, I guess it worked in his favor when he did it with BVS. But no, with this it's just it, I more than anything, I just wanted a creepy, weird, out there Doctor Strange movie, and now I know I'm just not gonna get that. It, it's just gonna be nothing but stupid references to like, oh, the multi. Oh, look at this is alternate Avengers. Oh, this is you know alternate this and that. It's just hard to see. It's hard to see how you sustain that throughout several movies and not getting old. It already feels like it's gotten old fast, but it it feels like it's going to get played out at that point. You know what the sad thing is, though? Um, This is the cruel twist of fate and how Feige likes to dig it at DC. But like Flashpoint is going to come out after all those multiverse Marvel Cinematic Universe things, and I wonder how that's going to affect the the success of that yeah. movie because uh, I, I do feel that there's going to be a potential tiring out with this multiverse 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 but to me personally about what what i find this disappointing beside that aspect of this being a whole gimmick and everything my hope and i guess this is like saying the direction that i wanted the next 10 years of marvel movies to look like was a less emphasis on the interconnected universe and more focus on individual films and more emphasis on character instead of world building that's what i really want and that i see that in thor love and thunder i definitely will see that in guardians volume three but everything else does not fit that bill i have a slight bit of hope for eternals because chloe zhao is directing it and apparently She's gone on record saying, hey, they actually let me make a movie. So <laughs> in this case. They all case, say that. They all I don't say that. But but listen, listen, listen. Them. I know that you're. Em. They all say that. But we have both said that there have been instances where they've allowed certain people to do that. Right. Which. There yeah, were but James I'm not Gunn, believing it until I see it. And I'm not taking her word for it either. I'm saying it. I'm choosing to be optimistic about her and that movie because she is also getting a lot of notoriety outside like to me like chloe zhao is not a nobody anymore she's not a no name i think at this point that she has currently not one but several uh award contending movies at this point has proven that she is going to be a formidable name in the coming years and so i am choosing to be optimistic that her prowess is going to somehow bleed through the Marvel filter and come at a result. I have slim pickings here, okay, Peter? So, like, can you please not be critical about that? I'm choosing to be nihilistic and saying, fuck you. All right, thank you. Glad we arrived at an agreement at that point. Um, But that's about it. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's it. What what did I say? 
No, nothing. I uh, okay. I guess this is over. I I thought you were going to say something else. Um. Uh, we'll see. Uh, and when WandaVision, uh, it's going to come out pretty soon, I imagine. We'll have, I guess by December, we'll have an initial expectation about where this is going to go, right? I think by December, we'll have at least seen an episode of the show, right? They've announced the release date, right? They, I'm pretty sure it was December. Okay. So we'll come back for that. And if we have any impressions of The Mandalorian, maybe we'll come back for that. But we're not going to be doing week to week. Um if there, if there will be a Mandalorian update, obviously something massive has to happen that changes the direction of the show. Otherwise, we'll have a full season review in December. I think every episode is going to be that, though. Like, Do you? This first episode is going to be like, oh, my God, Boba Fett. <laughs> and then the next episode will be like, oh, my God, they fought with the Dark Sleeper. And then the next episode will be like, oh, my God, Ahsoka Tano. Well, well actually, I think I saw the director's list and... Dave Filoni's uh, was like one of those episodes midway one. through. One, yeah. So you know, you know exactly it's which the episode. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think they're gonna have some of those every single episode where it's like, oh my god, they showed this thing, you know. <laughs> Get hyped. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, uh, but I don't know. A part of me feels like just binging it. But I got nothing else to do, so maybe I'll just watch it week to week. But if we review it, we'll, we'll definitely wait till the end. Absolutely. And speaking of reviews, it's review time. Um, and I think, uh, I don't know what else we can do to lighten the mood up more than talking about Borat's subsequent movie film, which is now streaming on Amazon Prime debuted on the night of the last presidential debate and for a good reason um this thing's big and at least to me everyone's talking about this <laughs> this movie like in a really really made waves i feel uh at least for the discussion uh so borat subsequent movie film we're gonna turn it over to peter uh he likes to give us a plot synopsis summary of what the movie was about of course this movie stars sasha baron cohen um, and provided by our sponsor Letterbox, uh, which is currently in court right now for some disputes about a supposed tagline. But without further ado, Mr. Martinez, the courts have decided, and the tagline is accurate. The courts haven't decided Directed a damn thing from what I've by seen. By Jason Walliner, Borat, subsequent movie film, delivery of prodigious bribe to American regime for make a benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan. 14 years after making a film about his journey across the US and A, Borat risks life and limb when he returns to America with his young daughter and reveals more about the American culture the COVID-19 pandemic, and the political elections. That's a ball rat. So, uh, <laughs> when, it, when it was announced that Sasha Baron Cohen made a Borat too, what did you think? What did you expect? <laughs> what did I expect? Uh, I don't know. I really didn't. Because what's funny is it's one of those things where it's another sequel from 
slightly older film. 14 years. Yes. And the thing is, it's one of those things where it's, it's a sequel to a film where when it came out, it was fr- the concept for the film was fresh, new, and exciting. Whereas today, it's, it's what every it's what every dipshit teenage YouTuber is doing. Literally, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, look at me, look like an idiot on camera with these random people. Like, that's just. There's been so much of this, so 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 much. And then another thing was what made Bull Rat and beyond that, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen so interesting was the way he's able to reveal the ridiculous nature of the people around him. Uh, that's there's nothing to reveal anymore. Yeah. At all. Let me just say this. There's nothing, but there's also everything. I, I know this and you know this. It wasn't really anything mm-hmm. new that would, that we didn't know beforehand. At the same time, though, the and, and this is, I guess, my thing on this. Um, uh, there, I think that the commentary with Borat 2 is I think especially powerful considering you know the year that we're living right now in 2020 with America. I feel like it, it maybe less of a sequel to Borat, but it feels like a continuation of what he did with um, what was it? Was it on Showtime or HBO? Uh, the the show that he did, Who Is America? Um, right, in which like the point of <laughs> yes. the point of that was. I mean, he was doing the format that you just said, but you got the sense that it was more than just a prank or a joke, that there was actual substance that was being communicated across in doing that and, and the people that he was exposing and what he was exposing about America. Um, and in that regard, I don't think it's anything new, but I think that just makes it especially sad, right? That people out there would be shocked to find themselves uh, for seeing the country and its people for who they really are, right? Uh, (laughs) I mean... I don't know if I jumped the gun on that, but (laughs) it was just to kind of like... Because that is a central... a central conversation being had with this movie, right? Is, well, it's not really offering anything new here in terms of the format. And mm-hmm. a lot of the things that it's exposing, we already know. So it's, it oh, could yeah. be like one of those things where like real life has hurt the impact of what this movie could have had. Yes, absolutely. Um, but I guess my take on it would be that I don't think it has no value because of that. I think that's a message well, that needs to be pounded home, apparently. Mm-hmm. Well, once again, you had never let me finish before I could finish what I was saying. Because <laughs> you had asked me how I felt when I heard he was making a Let new me film. make things easier for you. When you're finished with your point, yes. let me know. <laughs> you have the floor, Peter. Thank you. 
I would like to vote to confirm <laughs> Amy. <laughs> oh my god. In that case, you do not have the floor. I mean, if that's what you're going to do with it. No, no, continue. I'm sorry for interrupting. Because you had asked me how I felt when I heard. Yes. yes I when did. I heard there was another Borat film. And then that, what I had mentioned was, you know, like I said, the idea, this whole shtick that he does, you know, kind of revealing people for who they are. It's, it's just its own entire subgenre. It's everywhere now. And then beyond that. Uh, these people have revealed themselves <laughs> for the last four years. Uh, there's a, my thought was like, what is there left to reveal? That being said, having seen the movie, I both hold those initial feelings somewhat true and also thought the film was very funny and highly enjoyable, and I really fucking liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I agree and, with you. And see. I agree with you, man. I, I, I was laughing so hard throughout really all of this. Like, look, I, I, Sasha Baron Cohen is immensely talented, but maybe not more so for than being able to keep a straight face while doing the things that he has to do. I think we've said on many occasions that all of us His are, camera crew. Oh my God. How do you record this shit I and not know. start cracking up? I'm, right? <laughs> like a lot of... It's so in your face funny. How do you keep it together? Like that's incredibly he he stays in character whatever character he's doing he's committed to it not like one I, instance of him breaking it I feel you just have to lose yourself like this I am Borat you know yeah and, and, and you can't yourself just not you have to force yourself like no I would do this this isn't funny to me you know like you really because uh, like we talked about before. When we're, I think when we were we were viewing something horror related, as we have done so much lately, mm -hmm. and we're talking about how like, well, yeah, horror, you know, it's it's here nor there as, as far as how much it affects me, but cringe, <sighs> shit that makes me cringe, I can't, you know, that's some shit you can't take, and like if I was the cameraman for any of this i would have walked away like i it's like no i can't take this like my stomach would burst with just oh my god the the gravity well created for me cringing so hard like i'm gonna be honest i technically have not finished seen the entire film because there are a couple scenes where i'm like eh, i'll skip ahead just a couple minutes because i just can't i can't take that shit <laughs> i force myself to not skip forward uh, certain scenes and so what I did was I just looked down and I looked away <laughs> I looked down <laughs> I just I didn't stare at it <laughs> I didn't stare at it for some of those moments because it was woof. I I did not like well I did like <laughs> but my stomach did not like <laughs> No, 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 no. I don't... Sasha Baron Cohen is insanely talented. And 
when you say like it's funny, it is immediately funny. Like the first minute, there's already shit being thrown at me, and I'm just fucking laughing. I know. It's it's so good. <laughs> there's a joke. It had to be the first three minutes of the film about African leaders that I just <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing. And it was, uh, and it, he definitely pushed buttons. <laughs> but I don't know. It, all of it is just so funny. Uh, go ahead. Um, obviously, the movie is getting praised for um, those aspects. It's interesting when, you know, looking over at the reviews, some have, you know, said that it doesn't compare to the first one. Some have said that it's even better than the first one. Some have said that they didn't find this very funny because real life and whatever, whatever have you. Um, personally, I had a blast with this movie. I was laughing so unbelievably hard. Um, and I actually also quite enjoyed the narrative that they strung together with Borat and his daughter. Um, which I wasn't expecting to be invested in that at all, to be quite frank with you. I, 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 I didn't think that I was going to be expected to take that seriously, but it was actually heartwarming in the middle of all of this. It was, I think, incredibly effective. It's funny because when you look at Borat, I think of like cynical, gross, <laughs> boundary pushing, you know, fucking limits, mm -hmm. humor. That kind of shit. I don't think touching. Yeah, is <laughs> but then surprisingly, out of nowhere, it, it is. It, it's it's cheesy to a certain extent, but like it's fucking boring. So it's like I don't know what you expect, but it's well, like well done. Yeah, like by the the time the the film ended i was like oh i was I'm, I'm into this and on more than just a cringing and laughing level you know what i mean mm -hmm. which also is something that i would not have guessed right going into it i would have i thought it was just gonna be you know a couple hours of just outrageous shit and i'm gonna be laughing and going like oh i can't watch this and then it'll end and be like, oh, yeah, that was a great time. But no, there was this through line. Yeah. Where I was like, oh, kind of got me in the heartstrings here at the end. And it helped that, that, I mean, of course, Sasha is great. I think he's great in any in any role, um, especially with, with this one being so personal to him. Um, but he found an amazing um, actor to bounce off him. And I think she was equally as good, if not better. Uh, Maria Baklava who played uh, Borat's daughter, Tutar. Um, wow. There was just something so genuine. Like, it felt like... It's like one of those performances like where you don't feel that you're watching a performance. It came off like you're watching an actual person, which I feel is even harder to pull off when you're doing nothing but the most cringe-worthy, ridiculously over-the-top things. Like, there was a scene where she was... She was giving what was supposed to be for her an emotional 
um, speech to a group of conservative women about her first time masturbating. <laughs> that was one of the ones that was difficult for me to get through. <laughs> Because you could see the women just go from like, oh, oh, oh. And it's uh, real, though. Like, the, there's some people that are questioning certain segments of the movie about whether or not it was staged or not. That wasn't one of those moments. That that no. was genuine, like, cringe awkwardness going on. I, ooh, <laughs> that one was one of the tough ones. But- what I'm surprised is, well, first, what I would like to know is, what is the casting process? I don't know, man. Because if you're Sasha Baron Cohen, Sasha Baron Cohen is good because he's he's a comedian. He's extremely talented. And he may have an idea, like going into a situation of what you're trying to achieve and what you're trying to do. But like, it's not a script. You don't memorize shit and then say it. You have to evolve with the situation basically it's it's difficult right and then you got to be ready for anything that's thrown at you and whatever might be said at you or people fucking attacking you like so it's like what's the process for getting you know getting someone like that and i don't know what it was the process but he did a fantastic job because she's great because she's absolutely thrown into those situations where they're playing off of each other yeah and again it's not scripted because they have to react to what these other people are saying and these none of it is written ahead of time it's all real you know the reaction there could be like an outline of like where you want a certain conversation to go Mm -hmm. you can prepare some lines but a lot of it is dependent on who you're bouncing off and that is real yeah. people who you're basically interviewing for this, right? Like whether it be the 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 woman in the cake shop or or the I guess pastor slash doctor in the clinic that they're speaking mm-hmm. to. Like you can expect, you you can guess how it can go, but you can't entirely see it coming. Yeah, like one of the lines, it, it's in the trailer. And it's just one of those things where she's like, my daddy's the smartest man in the whole flat world. And it's just one of those lines where it seems like she, she, yeah, it's just one of those things on the fly. She's responding, but it's just so funny. It it, it feels like it was written. Uh, I, I don't know. She's really good. Like she's. And it, it really fascinates me. Like, what's the process? Yeah. Like, Sasha Baron comes up to you, and how do you test actresses for that? You know, do you do you have, like, a, a, a dry run where you're like, okay, so for your audition, you have to go into the ball and pretend to, I don't know, like, do this. I assume <laughs> you have to be a master react. of improv, at least. Yeah, you have to be masterful at improv. And not only that, you're bouncing off Sasha Baron Cohen. You're bouncing off people that don't know that they're part of this. You have to adapt. And she does it. She does it so well. Um, no, I was... She was one of the biggest surprises for the movie for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I wasn't expecting to care. And I was invested. 
um, and actually was touching, as you said, with um, how their relationship grows. Because this, obviously, while all this stuff is happening, I mean, he just meets her already being 14 years old or 15, whatever. And the whole thing was... Um, she the movie en- ends up becoming him trying to sell her off to Vice President <laughs> Mike Pence because they want to you know they want to give a gift to President Trump for being great I guess an ally of Kazakhstan. They're trying to um bring back the good name of Kazakhstan, right? And they think uh, getting in the good graces of of one McDonald Trump would uh <laughs> McDonald. Would uh, I don't know. Would I bring can't glory believe, back to Kazakhstan. I can't believe no one has thought. And fuck the Democrats. They're so weak and so inef- like, inept with communication. If they had just thrown that back at him, as like Trump, Trump's ongoing thing is he gives people nicknames. Imagine if one of them was like, call them the President McDonald Trump, how much of a gasket he would blow over. <laughs> it's funny because it's the most easiest there and it's that's another thing too right because i've often maintained that trump has ruined comedy yeah like saturday night live let me tell you saturday night live is pathetic i watched their skit over the weekend of the debate it was sad it was just so awful it it, they're they're impossible the republican party and donald trump and all of them have just become literally impossible to satirize because there is no going higher than the ridiculousness that is donald donald trump right like you can't do it and for me uh donald trump has really ruined political comedy right like i what can you do if if all the political shows that are comedic that covered politics i feel have just nosedived the only they, one like, is john oliver but that that's john oliver yeah but john oliver doesn't cover trump um yeah he's more of a policy heavy uh guy yeah i really like john oliver yeah he, he's been great but the only one and i even said this beforehand who's actually and this is how I know Sasha Baron Cohen is talented. The only one who's been able to thrive during this time is Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah. Because, like you mentioned before, that Who is America? Oh, my God. Who is America? Oh, my God. Has <laughs> some of the genuine funniest shit I've ever seen. Like, the funniest <laughs> shit. Uh, everyone knows about, like, that elected representative that literally showed his ass and 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 like you know backed it up and then was screaming the n-word and all of this but but my personal favorite was when they're in some deep deep red hick town trying to sell them the idea of opening a mosque in their town oh my god it is breathtakingly funny so he he really has been the only one who's been able to do it and again it it makes me look at snl and all these other left-leaning political comedy people and going like pathetic you people sasha baron cohen has been 
just holding up comedy on his shoulders for four years you, and he's delivering one last blow with it with a borat sequel and it works because it's it's fun like in the very beginning i knew i knew it was coming but just the low like since i've been gone he told me an evil leader rose who represented barack everything obama. barack obama <laughs> i did like i knew it was coming like the, the whole shit with like melania oh and like you God. mean i i could be the next Melania <laughs> with the cage but all, all of that <laughs> when he got the baker to to write jews will not replace us it's like okay so i think that's the key part of all of this that connects borat uh, who is America and Sasha Baron Cohen as to uh, kind of like really sell home the point about why it is that this brand of humor actually works because, okay, so what is being done as a result of all of this? I mean, it's hilarious because people are being, uh, they're, they're accidentally or intentionally, depending on your point of view, uh, caused to expose who they are in these highly ridiculous situations. Um, and I feel perhaps why there is such weight to those sequences is because of the substance. And that is, at the end of the day, while this is funny, it really kind of isn't. Because there are people that exist like this and think like this and do things like this. And I don't know, it's, it, may, it may almost even be kind of a dark humor because, I mean, at the same time, though, this is the only way to kind of make fun of Republicans is you, you get them to show you who they really are. And they're, they're literal cartoons. Yeah. I, I as, as I think both me and you would agree, there's no such thing as a moderate Republican anymore. Trump literally has a 95% approval rating amongst Republicans. Uh, if you want to know, like, I, and honestly, I've the other day I actually sat back and I'm like, okay, let me think about this. What would I consider to be a moderate Republican? Mm -hmm. And who would fit that bill? in today's day and age joe biden <laughs> I, yeah yeah <laughs> like l democrats like the moderate democrats are sane conservatives mm -hmm. like that's the closest to me you're gonna get to a sane conservative it's the moderate democrats so so for me these people are crazy and i think you see a real shift in sasha baron cohen's comedy from the original borat to this one mm -hmm. right and it's unfortunate but i really think it's necessary and i think a lot of a lot of people have followed suit mm -hmm. and i've been thinking about it because you know how a lot of people say oh i get your politics out of my out of my movies, stop inserting my politics and entertainment basically. yeah 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 and I mean, I've noticed this for a while, but I genuinely didn't know it was this bad, like this bad, which is a lot of conservatives 
don't understand the things they're ingesting, right? Yeah. So, like, Borat originally, him and his people and his village and the things he says are deeply racist and misogynistic and anti-Semitic and all of this. And it's meant to make fun of those types of beliefs. But I think a lot of people just look at it and then they laugh and agree. I think that's another way that these people have killed satire is that you you have to be utterly blatant for a lot of these people to understand the point being made. Because cause I don't want to bring this up for the millionth time, but you'll have people going like, Star Wars isn't political, you're making it SJW. RoboCop wasn't political, you know. Ridiculous. I've, I've heard so many crazy statements about people, and I've slowly realized that a lot of people just don't, think beyond the surface of what they're watching uh remember when people lost their shit because netflix correctly pointed out that matrix is uh a veiled trans allegory <laughs> and it's like damn maybe when the wachowski brothers turned into the wachowski sisters that would have clicked a little bit to some people, but people were like, oh, really? You're going to insert the transgender agenda in, in, into the Matrix? And it's like, the Wachowski sisters made the Matrix? Like, how can you not understand? Ugh. And and I think it's the same with the Borat, right? So it's before you... How do I put this? Nowadays, you need to be really overt with your message so people can fucking get the hint because if not you're in the danger of people just i i like going like lol he's racist that's awesome you know what i mean mm. so i think by by the end of borat if it wasn't if the whole film wasn't more already more overt with it's political commentary that literally ends with that flashcard vote <laughs> now vote <laughs> or be execute. And I actually love it. I, I love just the overtness of the political message. Cause at this point in time, I think it's extremely necessary. Yeah. Uh, I kind of went on a long rant with that. But no, that, but I think it gets to the heart about why it is that this is actually good and why, um, you know, I wasn't expecting Borat's subsequent movie film to be um, easily one of my favorite movies of the year, but it kind of is. <laughs> um, just for, like, the sheer, uh, the subject matter, the substance, but also, of course, the hilarity. I mean, uh holy I, I mean it's it's hard to come up with like what was the best part of it like from i mean i think i i lost my mind when sasha baron cohen first entered the cpec conservative convention in a full ku klux klan hood uh announcing himself as stephen miller sorry i'm late and i think it was kind of hilarious how like a bunch of people in the room looked shocked 
And I'm like thinking to myself, bitch, you shouldn't be shocked. That's exactly who you are. Shut the fuck up. You have no, you have no reason to be like outraged by this. And even it's hilarious. No one stops him. He just walks into no. the bathroom and he changes. So really? No, no one said anything. So I feel like that wouldn't happen. I think in, in most places that aren't conservative, right? Like no one said nothing to him about that. He just kept walking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you had some people give weird looks. Uh-huh. But <laughs> unless there's footage that they Sasha hasn't released. But no one, like, going like, hey, get the fuck out. Or, or, or you know, any of that, right? He wasn't like, kicked out until he was uh, in a Donald Trump suit. <laughs> Which was another really good one. <laughs> How do you plan for this man? Like everything has to go right in order to pull this off. Like he busts the doors open. He turn Michael Mike Mike Pence turns, and then like he announces Michael Pence. Um, <laughs> in this, in I got that girl. I got <laughs> but the thing that actually just made me crack up was as he was be taken away, telling him like you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> there was a look in his eyes. He got all pissed. Yeah, he did. Um, apparently in, uh, some, I, I heard this on a podcast that some in the crowd, when that happened, thought that was actually Trump. And that's why the USA chant uh, started. You're going to hate me, but I'm going to defend them. Um, okay. uh, knowing I've, that's absolutely some shit Trump would pull. <laughs> 100%. Like, just randomly in the middle of the rally, just walking through his subjects, blessing them like Jesus, as as he, you know, fucking, you know, a line of hands, high fives, and then jumps onto the stage, you know, with, with Michael Pence. He absolutely would pull some shit like that. Um, So, I don't blame them for going like, oh, shit, is that him? And then also, the makeup was really good. Wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know how good it was? There was clear fucking like pictures and shots, you know, back when it first happened and you could see it, you know, the, his face mm -hmm. and no one knew it was Sasha Baron Cohen. And no one could make out that it was him. So that's pretty good. <laughs> that's some good ass makeup. Uh, what I do wonder, though, I feel like. He wasn't actually... I feel like he was carrying a dummy. Yeah, I couldn't have been... No. I don't think that was actually her. I feel like he was actually... He was carrying, like, a dummy of a... Of a girl. Because as the... When the police walk him out, like, she's not with him. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but what... You know what's... You know what's also really cool about this movie? It really is a time capsule right yeah because when they started filming it it was obviously made with the clear intent to satirize you know trump's america and all that but clearly halfway through filming the pandemic hit <laughs> right <laughs> and they didn't plan for that no. Oh, no one planned for that but it happened and <laughs> And it's and it became an integral part of the film. 
Uh, to say the least. There's a section so, where he's singing about the Wuhan flu. <laughs> For 20 minutes, he got those like Republican uh, rally people to sing along to injecting Obama with the Wuhan flu, like this, like the like the Saudis do. I think that's what the lyrics Chop were. Chop him up like, <laughs> like the, the Saudis Sa- do. Which is, of course, a reference to uh, when the Saudi government murdered that... Uh, Jamal Khashoggi, the reporter yes, for the Washington Post. the reporter. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, these people. But, again, I, I really want some behind-the-scenes shit. I, I really know. do. I know. Or... Even just an audio commentary, right? <laughs> because you have to, in my mind, as a, and I've actually watched the movie a couple of times now. There, there's a couple of things that jump out to me because obviously, the movie could not, when they started filming it, they probably had this idea of a story, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it could not have included COVID nineteen. So when the pandemic hit, they probably had to restructure the story entirely to sort of become around that event. And then beyond that, uh, I feel as if when they started the, the project, they wanted their big finale to be with Michael Pence. I think their their hope, their goal right. was, was to get the whole movie was supposed to surround Michael Pence. And I think at some point they realized they couldn't get Michael Pence. So they turned it to Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> I I really think that's what happened. The hardest part about it was the hardest thing to believe was how incredibly easy it was to get Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, uh, honestly, honestly, I feel, and maybe Sasha did try, but a part of me feels like he could have gotten Trump. How with the Secret Service and the Fuck. White House? That's right. They probably do backgrounds and shit. It's kind of or, impossible. But it, oh, but it's Trump. I doubt they do, though. Like. <laughs> I feel because you know how he adores OAN and all these kids. Mm-hmm. Fucking Alex Jones got an interview with Trump. I don't know. I feel like she could have because it seems like for a while she was masquerading as like one of these reporters, uh, reporters, right? Yeah. Like these OAN reporters. Yeah, I he adores OAN. I feel like at some point. Uh, that could have happened with her especially right because she's at that point no one knew she had any connection to sasha barrett cohen i i don't know <laughs> maybe that's just wishful thinking on my end but i feel like it maybe could have happened but yeah rudy giuliani is a fucking moron like the, the the fact that they got they got him was just hilarious oh my god and i i'll ask you again i'm gonna go against the grain here from most on the left I I think he probably was just tucking his shirt I think there's a good chance it was just that 
But my next response would be, I don't care. <laughs> I agree a thousand percent. I don't give a shit what, what it was. Uh, it's funny and it looks it's bad. It's funny as fuck. I, mean, yeah. I think there, there's enough. Yeah, I feel like um, it's not as obvious about what was happening. I think I've, if he was tucking his shirt in, I guess it was taking a while to tuck the shirt in. Um, and then he also, if you noticed, it was a quick when uh, when <laughs> Borat uh, basically crashes into the room with like, she's only fifteen, she's too old for you, <laughs> which is an amazing laugh. Too old for you. <laughs> he, if you notice him, like he immediately jumps up. I mean, but he's an old man. I mean, yeah, like yeah, the, yeah, it's yeah. it's hard to be sure. Again, if if I had to lean one way or the other, he was probably tucking his shirt in. But he's such an old piece of shit ghoul. Yeah. The fact that it's become this big scandal just makes me laugh. No, yeah, he <laughs> deserves it. And, I, yeah. and I'm and i glad to laugh at him. It, it is weird, though, that he willingly he went to the He also was a little... Uh, he was a little touchy-feeling. That, that old... That old t- there's, like, this version of, like, creepy old men. Yeah. That's like, oh, sweetie, come here. Like, I don't know. Like, you see it. In the creepy old men that are like, oh, you know, they get a little touchy, touchy, you know, it's, you know, rub the knee kind of thing, and it's like, ugh. And he was, he was portraying a little bit of that during the interview. Yeah. Yeah. But again, he's a piece of shit. So any any negative news for him is just funny to me. I think we missed out on an amazing opportunity. In an alternate reality, Trump would have appointed him to attorney general. Oh, God. (laughs) Remember, I think Rudy was being considered for VP once upon a time. Before Mike Pence. Yeah. And obviously they went with Mike Pence because he's the calm version. So, but I, I honestly think they didn't need it. Imagine if conservatives had as shitty political instincts as Democrats. <laughs> like when fucking Hillary went with Tim Kaine. Tim forgot Kane. his name. I already forgot his name. <laughs> I knew Kane was in there somewhere. What a moron. Holy shit. Yeah. But no, this this movie was very funny to me. And again, heartwarming. And it, it, a lot of people are like Again, going back to what I said earlier, the oh, oh it's pretty heavy-handed with his messaging. In this day and age, I think you need to be heavy-handed. I, 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 I think the the lines in the sand are so huge, right, and mm-hmm. so apparent. Uh, I don't know, like you, you need to make the message loud and clear. I feel. It, because I, I think in the past there's been this need to be like, oh well, you know, like I said, that both sideisms, mm-hmm. you know, interpretation, all that here in this jazz. It's like no, one side's clearly fucking insane, and we should probably do something about it. God bless Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, that's my review. Uh, go watch it; it's hilarious. So shall we move on to the next Baron Cohen uh, starring feature? The Trial of Chicago 7, written and directed by Mr. Aaron Sorkin. Uh, interesting uh, tidbit about this before we start um, 
with Peter's uh, summary of, you know, what the movie is about. Back in uh, 2007, once upon a time, Steven Spielberg was supposed to direct this movie. Um, And at that point, Sasha Baron Cohen was attached. So he's been attached to this project for a very long time. Uh, and he was always meant to play this character. but I can definitely see Spielberg, uh, Spielberg directing. Oh, yeah. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, if anything, in terms of like what uh, real quick observation, Aaron Sorkin and Spielberg, it's occurred to me, have some similarities in terms of uh, some similar tendencies that they like with these, not just with the interest of this kind of movie, but on playing some stuff up. Um, yeah, one hundred percent. With your uh, synopsis sponsored by Letterboxd. Well, yeah, we can never forget our sponsor. <laughs> uh, directed by Aaron Sorgan, the Trial of the Chicago Seven. Mm-hmm. In nineteen sixty-eight, democracy refused to back down. <laughs> What was intended to be a peaceful protest at the 1968 Democratic National Convention turned into a violent clash with police and the National Guard. The organizers of the protest, including Abby Hoffman, Jerry Rubin, Tom Hayden, and Bobby Seale, were charged with conspiracy to incite a riot, and the trial that followed was one of the most notorious in history. So yeah, you got you got yourself another uh, Sorkin joint. With a pretty huge fucking cast. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, Eddie Redmayne. Oh, fuck. I don't want to mess this up. Uh, Yaha Abdul-Mati. Yahar Abdul. Yeah. Is it Yahar? Yeah. Yahar Abdul-Mati, Jeremy Strong. This motherfucker. Mark this is Rylance. How I knew Mark, Mark Rylance. Rylance. Yes, I love Mark Rylance. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I love Michael him too. Keaton. Oh, God, yes. Frank... Uh, like Langella. There's a lot. Holy shit! Yeah, but <laughs> this real quick, uh, mm-hmm. just to give people a history. So with mm-hmm. Aaron Sorkin, this is his second movie he's directed. The first yeah. one was Molly's Game, which you have seen. I have not. I the have wor- the work. The work for uh, the work uh, of Aaron Sorkin that I know of that I have seen personally. Uh, his written work, uh, Social Network, and Steve Jobs, both of which are very good films. Yes. Sorkin is a good writer, but he can get very cringy very fast, <laughs> uh, depending on the work. Some Sometimes he hits it out of the park. Like, I, I Social Network, I thought was great. Uh, Steve Jobs, really good. Mm-hmm. There's some... Some real good shit in Steve Jobs. Um, this, <laughs> I thought for the most part, worked really well. And then there's other shit that. Uh, newsroom? Like there's, oh, God. There's some <laughs> scenes from Newsroom. I know. That just, like, he's, you could tell he's very much ideal, moderate liberal, liberal with a capital L. The West Wing variety of neoliberal. Yeah. Well, yeah, he he's he is the West Wing, he's, yeah. <laughs> but it's 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 those things where it's like these small victories, quote unquote victories, 
that literally mean nothing, but he he plays them like they're the greatest thing, like they're storming the beaches of Normandy type shit. Yeah. Um, it's again sometimes it 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 actually works really well, depending on the subject material, and other times it's just uh, cringy as shit. But no, I I really I do like Sorkin, and I will say this. I saw Molly's game. Molly's game was actually another one of his good ones. I mm. I, re- I liked Molly's game, but as a director, it was flat. That was, was his first boring. movie, right? Yeah, it was his first movie. This one was a lot better. I definitely saw. I th- I felt like there was improvement from Molly's game to this film as far as direction. Um. But yeah, how did how did you feel about this one? Very similar to you. Um, I uh, <laughs> uh, like these kind of movies. Uh, yes, I do. Uh, I, I I think of Al Pacino uh, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where he says, uh, uh, "Oh, what a picture!" Um, Guns violent. I love that shit. <laughs> but for you, it's politicians, <laughs> historical figures. Mm-hmm. Spielberg, I love that shit. Yeah, I love that stuff. Uh, no, this is really good, um, but not without its setbacks and not without the moments that you mentioned that were cringeworthy. I think like, real, well, okay, the performances I think were great and in most mm-hmm. cases stole the movie um, across the board, but none more so. In I, I loved Baron Cohen. Uh, the the small moments with Michael Keaton, Mark Rylance, oh my God, what an actor! And I'll tell you what, if he could win an Oscar for Bridge of Spies, he can definitely win again <laughs> for Trial of a Chicago Seven because he was really acting the hell out of this one. And um, I think it was Frank Laringer, Laringer, I don't know how to pronounce his mm-hmm. name, uh, as the judge. Um, it was very comical, but also very disturbing uh, when he needed to be. I thought uh, he was one of the the best yeah. as far as like acting and characters. Oh, yes, he was great. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm I'm hoping he gets some love from the award circuit this year. Um, from a writing perspective, I think it's excellently cra- set up. <laughs> it is one of those things where like Sorkin's writing is obvious in the sense that how he writes dialogue <laughs> it is very like snappy quick and witty and obviously mm-hmm. unlike anything how it actually went down in history yeah. it, it, it felt the need to be very like to the point about and there were certain lines that felt uh, maybe we could do without this and that maybe that maybe could be indicative of him overall with not only in terms of how it's directed but how it's executed and how it's written overall in the sense that some of those moments can't like the, the ending that that's the one that sticks out for me where <laughs> yeah it was so well intentioned but i just think it was a complete misfire and it felt very much like the end of the post, right? <laughs> the Steven Spielberg movie. Although mm-hmm. in in this case, I don't know what it was. It, it, this one felt more cringeworthy, even though like I, I I love what you're doing on paper, but with the music swelling and everyone like applauding and everything getting louder, um, 
it felt very much to me like uh, a difficulty Spielberg's been having lately with his politically his political movies. Um, and I wonder if you were to put Sorkin and Spielberg into this kind of a movie in the future, I wonder what the result would be since they do have those similarities there. Uh, thinking about that, I think the reason why that shit just doesn't work is because like old political dramas and shit like that was like oh a court case on slavery right and i think the reason you could have that like resounding yeah, at the end you know like that resounding music and da -da 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 -da. like amistad you mean uh amistad amistad anthony hopkins uh spielberg is there was there was a there was kind of a court case with the oh i wasn't referencing anything specific <laughs> okay sorry but okay. Uh, but it, it, you know something like that the the difference is like slavery does doesn't exist like that today right so it re, it's like oh yeah like there was change made but with something like the post or the trial of the chicago seven you have that big resounding like music like oh something was accomplished but i live in 2020 and i know no it wasn't accomplished like shit's still bad in in this specific area right mm -hmm. so it just rings that triumphant ending rings very hollow and the more i think about it i think the one who knew how to handle this best was spike lee and and the ending of Defy Black Bloods? Klansman. Oh, I thought no. you meant to Five Bloods because I was like, Whoa. no, 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 Black Bloods. <laughs> but Black Klansman, where you have like this historical piece with you know the KKK, and it's like you, you could maybe get this feeling of like, damn, shit was crazy back then, and then it ends with showing footage of today, like you know, shit ain't changed, fight's still real today. And I've that to me that rings so much more uh true and more it works better emotionally than having this big resulting like, oh and then especially because the title cards, you know, as everyone's clapping and it's like, oh, everything's great. And it's like, oh yeah, like this one committed suicide, this one ended up dead. <laughs> and, and you know, as everyone's cheering and clapping, it's like, God damn. Like, okay, I guess it's a happy ending if you say so. Uh-huh. Oh, and then also with the... The Sorkinisms, right? Like, the Sorkin language. The... That... It w How do I put this? He, he, the Sorkin writing works depending on who the characters are, right? Mm. So something with the social network, it's supposed to be these hyper-intelligent asshole Harvard douchebags. So the fact that they're all these like snarky, you know, quick with the comebacks with each other, you know, type of talking fits right like it makes sense the same with steve jobs right steve Jobs, because oh this genius steve jobs the fact that you have that sort of dialogue makes sense here for the most part it works 
for the most part, I definitely think it works based on the type of people uh, like the they definitely have a reputation obviously the people on trial and the way they speak then you have the lawyers and the judges but there are those moments where and this is what Sorkin does sometimes where a character feels like it almost looks at the audience and says just spouts out Sorkin's personal beliefs you know what I mean mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> like when What's his name? I I don't remember the character's names, but Eddie Redmayne and Cohen Cohen are getting into it. Uh huh. I that that's what I was thinking of. That's where <laughs> my mind went to uh, when you were talking about that point. And Eddie Redmayne just goes off. And again, I think this is on the on the surface. It's actually a really interesting dynamic, right? Like these two, uh, pretty ultra progressive, uh individuals that are fighting for change and they have two very drastic ways of trying to get it done very timely this film extremely timely Uh, but you have one character just sort of say it right without exploring it and again it, it does feel like sorkin's just almost has trying to get it off his chest <laughs> yeah it is kind so, of funny but yeah yeah, yeah i i it ain't the worst thing in the world, but it definitely felt like really ultra specific. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well you had definitely had something to say here. And apparently there was some clips that came to light, um, over that weekend when the movie was released on Netflix, um, that Sorkin had written about this before in other works of his, like there is apparently scenes of Jeff Daniels from the newsroom, literally giving the exact same, talking points on that historical instance mm-hmm. <laughs> no there's there's literal youtube videos of again it i got uh, people colloquially call it sorkinisms mm-hmm. where there's specific lines that he always uses yeah and, and i think he even used one of them in this in this movie yeah where it's like fire me or shut the fuck up yeah i I think that's like one of the lines and and like they go through all of his his movies and then then the newsroom and the west wing and like these there's very like specific lines that he says i don't know sorkin's an interesting one yeah Uh, (laughs) but it's always fun though that's the thing oh yeah he's it's never boring it's always entertaining yeah it's always entertaining like i think most a lot of things that he works on, well, I think I think if you want to consider Chicago Seven and um, Newsroom, well, I never really got into Newsroom, never watched it, uh, but I think flawed work in most cases, as in most things, are flawed, you know, by nature. It's very entertaining. Um, so, like, even though, like, I can, as a film fan, pinpoint like certain lines that are like, well, man, that's really flashing in your face. That is the point though. Sorkin, that is his style. And a lot of this movie yeah. was a lot of flash uh, in terms of also how it was edited. Now I haven't seen Molly's game, but apparently you say it's a vast improvement 
because there was actually some kind of pizzazz here, whereas it was just flat in Molly's game. Yeah, it it the direction in Molly's game can be best described as competent. You know, it's not terrible, but it's just competent. You know, the the characters were in frame. <laughs> You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas here, you know, I think, you know, with editing and the, and the way certain things are shot, I definitely think it was a lot better. Um, and then also, like, the 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 dialogue, I also think it works well because it's a group of, like, a bunch of people, right? Yeah. So, it's not just two people going back and forth, like, just quick, quick wit. It's like someone will say something. And then some some other person will say it, something else. They'll respond, and then they'll respond back, and then a third person will jump in. So the flow makes sense, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this film, unbelievably timely. <laughs> it, it feels like it was written yesterday in it really order does. to win awards based off what's going on right now. <laughs> Like, fuck, they got lucky. This is, like, the best, most Oscar-bait movie that Netflix has ever had on their caliber. If they can't win Best Picture with this, I mean... <laughs> yeah, like, this is this is teed up for the Academy, right? Because it's left-wing. It is politically charged. Mm-hmm. It is... But it's not too politically charged yeah it is spielberg it is sorkin it is rylance it is sasha barra cohen courtroom dramas baby courtroom <laughs> drama eddie redmayne like yep. holy shit like th- this is oscar bait if i've ever seen it yeah uh will they bite i don't know they're in a year where they're they're more poised than ever to bite this is because I think more often than not, people use the term Oscar bait is sort of like a pejorative. Yeah, absolutely. People use it. Yeah. Um, I necessarily wouldn't mm-hmm. like if I were to describe good Oscar bait, mm-hmm. I think this is good Oscar bait. Yeah. But this is really good. This is a good mm-hmm. movie. It, there's, there's flaws for sure. And as we mentioned, Sorkin himself has tendencies that kind of you know, like that ending could have been so much better than it was. Let me just because I was laughing, mm-hmm. um, and I, I probably they should... give you little eye rolls like a... yeah, yeah. But like it did. You know yeah. what though? It did piss me off because it made me go like, "Damn!" Remember when people gave a shit about war and people dying in it? Do you it pissed me that? off for a different reason because it, yeah. always, it it pissed me off for Republicans are always shit in government and of course this because it, this was a a know nothing story that Nixon yeah. made into existence and these people were jailed because well we needed to we, we, because we wanted to because they're the left and we have to persecute we need to make the examples left. of them yeah these these dangerous terrorists again it's so timely it's so yeah. timely and by the way. The game hasn't changed at right? all, at all, at all. And, and, and it's not just the movie, right? Because remember, this movie was made before any of this shit started happening. 
with with Antifa and Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. and all the protests and the fucking buildings on fire. Uh, and there's this comic, uh, not a comic, like a what's the word? A political cartoon mm. from the 1960s, and it's like Martin Luther King. And it's like, oh, well, uh, I'm ready to go out on another peaceful protest. And it shows like, oh, the streets, you know, violence everywhere and the streets mm-hmm. are on fire and buildings and da da da. Because they, they use the same shit when Martin Luther King, you know, marched. And during that time, like, oh, yeah. violent, scary protests, you know, law and order, guys, law and order. Uh, the game hasn't changed. And and again, because it's so obvious that the game hasn't changed, that like triumphant ending of everything went to shit, but it's okay because we had this symbolic victory, I guess. And I, again, this is probably, it's much, much more a personal thing. Uh, I could give a fuck less about symbolic victories at this point in my life when it comes to politics i want power especially since all the real victories have been all had by the evil people yeah like you fuck fuck your symbolic victory uh i i want real transformative victory that that's what i want so you know this whole like hey nothing changed but they they got a I don't know. They got this fucking courtroom to clap. Like that just rings so hollow to me. Yeah. But overall, very entertaining. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I, I I, like, I turned it on just to like, turn it on. Like, well, first fight, maybe I'll watch the first five minutes, but I ended up just watching the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Cause that's the one great thing about Sorkin dialogue. It just flows. Yeah. It just flows and flows. It didn't drag at all. Well, and you know uh, what? I'll I'll admit it. I liked Mark Rylance in this film. I was waiting for that, Peter. <laughs> were you were you ready? I was waiting for that because like you um have a personal vendetta against Mark Rylance for uh winning the Academy Award for the Great Bridge of Spies, um and everything. You mean stole the award? Well, I guess you know tomato tomato, um from one Sly Stallone. Uh, you know, but he was better in this film. He was great. He was great in this mm-hmm. movie. I loved him. I loved a lot of it. And, and again, it's part of uh, why this is the the typical stuff that the Oscar people like, right? It's these yeah pro- these showy uh performances. I will say these kinds of films, uh, they are cozy. Yeah. Uh, you know, it is is me and you who who like these kinds of films. You know, there there's just sort of a cozy aspect, absolutely to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> in the same way, uh, a Marvel film might be. Yeah. Or, or, At uh, the same time, there is stuff in the movie that I will give a credit for where that isn't as cozy, and mm-hmm. because it is so relevant, like the stuff with the protesters and the cops charging at each other and all the brutality that was oh, being yeah. had, that was visceral. 
when they were hiding their name tags. Oh my god. It's crazy now with with cameras. What's crazy is if phones had existed back then, you know the shit they would have caught would have been fucking insane, right? Because, I mean, you have, like, the newscast cameras now that show the hoses being put on on protesters and and the dogs sicked on them. But nowadays, you see some fucked up shit at those protests. Mm -hmm. And this is with, you know, them knowing everyone has a phone in their pocket back then. Holy shit. But even then, though, as we discussed uh, months back, cable news doesn't show you that stuff. It's all on Twitter. All the real horrible shits on Twitter, but cable yeah. news doesn't really show mm-hmm. a lot of the brutality that we've seen over this this past year, especially this past summer. So, um, I think to an extent they still feel comfortable around that, and they've been emboldened by this president who they idolize as oh, their yeah. god. So, I mean, there's definitely that um, going on. One last thing here that I found particularly shocking was because this is a real case, right? Um, there was a bombshell moment with the uh, former attorney general saying something in favor of the defendants. Oh, yeah. And that yeah. basically would have gotten them off the hook. But the establishment was like, thank you for that. We're not going to let the jurors hear that, but uh, thank you for coming in. Have a good day. We want, the, we, we, this result was already decided on. We don't need you to come and ruin everything. So bye-bye. That just felt so 2020. <laughs> Didn't it? <laughs> it did. And it's just such bullshit. Yeah. And it, uh, I thought when you said bombshell moment, I thought you were going to discuss what happened to, um, what's his names? Uh, fuck. The. Oh, you mean, um, what the one. Uh, defendant that Bobby Seal. Yeah, Bobby Seal. Oh no, that was that's not a bombshell. That was unbelievably disturbing. And and you have that moment where, <laughs> oh God, it, again, it, it, you've seen it so much where where the judge is like oh, scoffs, like oh, I've never been accused of being a racist. <laughs> and it's like, you bitch. You son of a bitch. Like, so typical. But they actually softened it a bit. Because mm. in real life, he was in those restraints for three days, I believe, before, you know, the mistrial and all that. And they have a, what's his name? Fred Hampton. Fred Hampton? Of the, uh, oh, shoot. I think I'm saying it wrong. Let me Google real quick. Oh, no, no, no. I'm saying it right. Of the the Black Panther Party. Mm. He was his friend. Right, right. That was talking to him. And then he ended up being murdered. Mm -hmm. The story with him is is fucking crazy the way the fucking FBI murdered him. But... Executed is more like it. Yeah, no, no, no. It is executed. There, I just again, I I want to get this on tape. <laughs> uh, 
they're coming out with a movie uh, on his life. Yeah. Called, oh, okay. Um, Black, it's Judas and Black Jesus or something like that. Mm. It, like, that's the title. I can't remember exactly. No, Judas and the Black Messiah. That's what it's called. Produced by Ryan Coogler. Um, I think director Shaka King, I think. The one who's playing him is, uh, what's his name from Get Out? Um, Daniel Kaluuya. Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, I sent the trailer a while ago. <laughs> Here we go. Here we Did go. you I, watch it? I have it? no recollection. Okay. I have no recollection. That's, I just wanted to get that on tape. Okay. Because no. it looks really good. It looks really, really good. So when I, when he came out here within the case, I'm like, oh, fuck. I wonder if they're going to touch on him being murdered. And then they did, you know, halfway through the case. Yeah, I just want to get, get that out there. Get it on tape. <sighs> Trial of Chicago 7 is currently streaming on Netflix, and Borat's subsequent film is streaming on Amazon Prime. Uh, both films will have more... We'll be hearing more from, I, I'm sure, as... Um, <laughs> we ramp up to the end of the year. Uh, oh, oh boy. Uh, but anyway, thank you all for listening here. Uh, we have relatively no year left, but a lot of year left in 2020. Um, the very next time that we do one of these shows, we will hopefully know the outcome of the election and... Um, as uh, Sam Jackson said in Jurassic Park, hold on to your butts. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> oh boy, I hope we live to see uh, the next couple of weeks, I'll tell you that, because uh, here we are. Uh, but thank you all. Uh, catch our shows every single Sunday, sometimes on Thursday. Remember, November, we got Guillermo del Toro, Good Place, and more coming at you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.